in five, four, three, two, one. Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy is good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos and motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right, all right, all right. Welcome in, everybody. It is Tuesday, August 9th. Live from the world-famous Big X Studios, this is the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM. Mike Rutherford here with Trevor Kelsey, as always. And TK, it's 3.06. We've already got problems. I, I, early identified problems here on my end. I've got the laptop here. I don't have the laptop charger. And we are low on juice already. This is how I keep track of the Thornton sex line. <laughs> well, 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 first of all, where's the charger? It's at home. I didn't bring it. So You obviously were not a Boy Scout. We may I clearly was not. Did you, did you do Boy Scouts? No. Okay. Never did. I did it for a little bit. We may need to, I don't know, like ransack Troy's office or like ransack the other offices here just to see if there's a like, charger lying around, but this could get a little bit dicey. How much juice do we have left on the computer? We got 35%. Well, that could get us at least... Like, we can get us to like hour number two. Okay. Well, you, maybe you don't need to leave it on, you know, for, for certain for a segment because, you know, sometimes we don't read the text line every segment. Maybe we'll have to neglect the text line. Well, I mean, some we don't read it every. Some, there's some segments we'll go through a good little stretch where you know we don't get all the text. Yeah. If worst case scenario, I mean, I can bring it up on my phone. Okay, we can do that. That works. Yeah. Although I'm I mean, can you not get it on your phone? I don't. I don't know how to do it. Just, I, I have the like the website up on my like its own little browser. Yeah. And I just leave it up all day, just because I'm afraid of like if it goes away, I don't know how to get it back up. I mean, I that's kind of on my yeah. phone, but like I just type in Google Voice and it goes right to it on my phone. Okay, well, we'll figure it out. You just want me to give you my phone? Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll get. We'll, we'll see how long this. Uh, the, the I turned like the light down on the Mac. That should help the, the power. <laughs> we'll make that happen. Also, I mean, we won't need to use it that much the second hour today because we have Al Snow coming in here at four o'clock. What does everybody want? Wrestling legend. Yeah, can we can we say that nowadays? I don't even know if we can say that. I mean, a gimmick that he just kind of. Was doing before the Attitude Era hit, and he's worked perfectly into it. He, we can talk to him about that a little bit. Yeah. Now, I say that, I'm assuming Al Snow is coming in at 4 o'clock. I was told last week. <laughs> what are we getting our guy Trey over at WB was, uh, WBNA was texting me about, you know, this is how we want to do the commercials this week. And all the way, oh, by the way, Al Snow has got some exciting stuff, exciting changes happening over at OVW. We want him to come on the show. Can he come on Wednesday? And I said, we're doing the, the show out at Jim Patterson because of this Jack Harlow kickball tournament. Yeah. And he was like, okay, cool. How does Tuesday sound? And I said, Tuesday, four would be great. And he's like, okay, good. I have not heard anything since then. I'm assuming Al Snow is going to come in at what, 4 o'clock. What made you think he was coming in, though, and opposed to calling? Because he said he wants to come into the show. Okay. Come into the studio. So I'm assuming we're going to have Al Snow here at 4 o'clock. 
Who knows? I mean, you tagged him on Twitter. Has he replied? I'm terrified that he like sees that. He's like, who the hell is this? <laughs> I'm doing what at 4 o'clock today? So we'll find out. Maybe, I don't know, who knows, 4 o'clock may get here. We may be talking about the general standard BS that we're usually talking about. Uh, speaking of, I feel like, and I've already seen the text line, there are two things that people want to talk about. I saw some of the text from Kerosene this morning, and I saw some of the text that came in early for people wanting us to talk about some things. I don't feel like maybe I should have paid attention before I came in today. No, you didn't happened. need to. Okay. Yeah, we'll enlighten you. Jody's just now sent me the first Cardinal Authority. Or Cardinal, Cardinal Insider. Insider. I keep calling it Cardinal Authority because it's their word. It's his website. Yeah. Just sent the first segment just now. So, thanks, buddy. There are two things that people want to <laughs> talk about, and I don't really want to talk about either one. One is because it's like the... This, it's like the doldrums of summer radio. and oh, This is as bad as you posting a Mount Rushmore on your Twitter that I wanted I, so I almost muted you for doing. I had no control over that. That's, uh-huh. CDK did it. CDK, he, does, he flies <laughs> all by himself. He does his own thing. And when stuff tweets out from my account, I can't, I can't control it. That's what he posts. And I, I saw it. And I, I cringed as well. I didn't like. <laughs> okay, it. good, good. I was like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to unfollow him. I was like, see, this isn't. It's, it's gonna it's, make work a little awkward. I was like, we've got three weeks <laughs> left, man. Just hang in there. We didn't need to do this just yet. We we didn't need to go this route. But they're like almost worse. And I say worse because it's a topic that we covered ad nauseum before last year's U of L UK football game. But okay. with the the coaches poll coming out yesterday, and we covered that a little bit. We talked a little bit about the rankings and the teams on U of L schedule that made the top twenty-five. But now Rick Bozich has written a story about well, if you look at the coaches poll, sure looks like Louisville's a tougher schedule than Kentucky. <laughs> and UK fans are upset about that because you know even in the dark because days, they play in the SEC. exactly yeah. the dark ages of UK football, which has been basically my entire life up until the last three years. You know the one thing they always had was well, you guys play a cupcake schedule. Look at your crap ass yeah. conference. Look at our conference. If you played our schedule and we played yours, the records would be the same way. Like they've always held on to that. And now that they're actually having success, you have people coming out there and trying to say, well. Their schedule actually sucks, and Louisville, who's not having that much success, their schedule is actually tougher than yours. It would be a thing if Louisville had been at least competitive in the football game last year, but if you remember that week, that that glorious Thanksgiving week leading up to the game, not the actual Saturday itself. <laughs> trying to trying to actually uh, black a lot of that out of my mind. The big really, talk yeah. that week, though, was one, Louisville actually being favored in the game, which UK fans thought was ridiculous and wound up looking very ridiculous, yeah, but two... Yeah. The advanced analytics and everything saying that Louisville was, had played a tougher schedule up to that point than UK, which this would be great fodder for conversation if Louisville had like lost by a field goal or, God forbid, won that game last year. But with Louisville getting its ass handed to them by 31 points yet again this past year, the whole, like, we play a tougher schedule than you kind of reeks of, like, 2003 Kentucky fandom when we all told them to shut up. And, like, that's, that's such a lame argument. And so I don't want to do it, but people are talking about it. KRC, I think, got into it today based on their text that I saw. I mean, when are you ever going to finally accept the fact and, and, and say, Trevor, you were right, stats are sometimes lie. They aren't real. In this case, these aren't really stats, though. These are coaches voting. Well, but you also use the analytics of I think the coaches, schedule. Well, and, that's fair, fair. The last right. year, any analytic that said last year that UofL had played a tougher schedule than UK, and who knows, like maybe they, they did, but it didn't mean that we were a better team than UK. It did not mean that we should have been favored in that game, very clearly. I, mean, I don't even care what the analytics say this year. I can tell you right now, without even telling you exactly who everyone UK plays on their schedule, UK plays a tougher schedule than we do. I kind of, I'm with you. Pretty much. I mean, who, who does you who, who do you have UK schedule? I'll bring, well, I, I the three bring it up the three non conference opponents besides Louisville are crap because they always are. Well, that doesn't matter. And the yeah. SEC is, you know, still a little bit down at least, but they're stronger at the top. I think that's what gets them is the middle of the ACC has gotten better in recent years. The top of the SEC has become even more dominant, and the middle of the SEC has kind of just fallen backward. Well, the fact that despite what the polls may say, Louisville only plays three really good teams, and one of them is Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, I. 
Who are you including as that third? Well, four maybe if you count NC State. I, I mean, NC State's the, high, the second highest ranked team on the schedule. Yeah, right I'm now. just not as big on NC State yet. They, they got they got to show me. Well, I think Pitt also <laughs> has to show something without their quarterback. And true, best true. Wide you're, you're, you got some good points. Slovis is as is, is good a prospect as he is. There's a reason why he's probably on his way to fourth college. Yeah, and I mean, leading wide receiver going to USC is also not a small deal, I think. No, that's so true. So we've got that out there. And then the second story. I mean, Kentucky plays Florida, who's would be in Louisville's top three or four opponents. Would they, though? I mean, I mean they're supposed to be bad this year. Like they getting? I mean, they're not getting any love in no, any of these. No bad is no bad is Syracuse. Bad is Syracuse, but I mean, you're saying third or fourth. Like Louisville's got five teams in the top twenty-five on their schedule. They play at Ole Miss. That's as good as anybody Louisville's playing, if not better. They're right there. Uh, no, I mean Clemson's better than Ole Miss. Well, they're behind Oak Clemson. Yeah, I would say I think probably NC State's better than Ole Miss. South Carolina, who's that's going to be interesting to see what they look like. Sure. Uh, Mississippi State, which did they beat Mississippi State last year? Who knows? Well, because they, they 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 always trade off wins and losses with them. They only lost three games, though. I assume they, they lost. Did. Well, they're going to beat NC State. Congratulations, UK. Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Yeah, you'll beat Mississippi. Then you got at Tennessee and at Missouri. I prefaced I mean, this whole conversation by saying I didn't want to do this. I know. I'm just. I was just trying to gloss over the one thing that people want us to talk about, and without getting into the conversation, and then go to number two, which you're not letting well, you're, me do now. Well, you're lucky because I was going to distract you into going to why you didn't join the Boy Scouts discussion, but okay. That's okay. Hey, I I never wanted to be a Boy Scout. Didn't entice you? No, I played sports. I, I didn't have time after school. You, you, they show you the bows and arrows and all the cool stuff. You I played do. growing up. I played every single sport that was offered. Like I just. Well, you can still do that too. If I know. had time, I played tennis. If I had time, I played golf. If I had time. I, like, I tried to play. Like if you offered it, I was going to try to play it. And so, like that's all I did. I mean, I did sports too, to a degree. You still didn't do Boy Scouts as well. Yeah, I, didn't, I have time for Boy Scouts. I didn't stay in there that long. I don't want to do Boy Scouts. I didn't get Eagle Scout or anything. So the second topic that people want us to talk about. Have you seen the Fred Calgo stuff? No. <laughs> okay. I like how you try to like, like <laughs> kind of maybe. What so, did someone challenge Fred to do? <laughs> so Fred Calgill, if you remember, we had him on the show last year, very early on. Ooh, yeah. It was a interesting interview. Um, we had him on because he had gotten badly injured at the Trinity football game, the very first oh, game of the year. Yeah. August twenty. I pray about that. Almost. He got plowed into by running back very early on in the game, and he is was immobile for a long time. Was was bedridden for a couple of months while he rehabbed. Uh, now he's back on his feet. He's out there. But Fred is suing Trinity High School. No. Yes. Yes. Fred. Yes. Fred is suing Trinity High School no. saying there were too many people on the sidelines. There were non-credentialed people out there, and they didn't take proper care of him against the speed and, and athleticism of all their players. And uh, he's, he's going after Trinity now. It's Your reaction is what I think has been the most common reaction. Seriously. At least well, you've probably been nicer than I think most people that I've seen. I mean, no, I'm just no, dude. It's, I mean, because I'm, I mean, yeah. I don't know Fred personally. I've met him in media junctions and things, and it's been a while. But you seem like a more better dude than that. I, I know Fred a little bit. Like I've interviewed him. I've talked to him in person a handful of times. I don't know him that well. Yeah, I don't. But know, I, yeah. from what I know of him, I like him. But I can still say like same thing he did. Fred. I mean, just, that's, come on, man. That's really, I, I don't, I mean, there's nothing to be mean about it. I mean, because, I mean, he's already done pretty well for himself. Like, he's, yeah, he's again, got a good life. Yeah, this is it. Like, if, I, if this happened to me, like, I don't know if I would sue. I would, like, request, like, them to pay my medical bills, maybe, to help me out with it, because I don't have any insurance. But, well, I'm assuming that would be part of the lawsuit. But outside of that, I really don't need any, I mean, that's, that just comes with the territory. I mean, that's, exactly. that's part of your job. You're on the sideline. I mean, to say that there was more people out there than they should be, I mean, 
Isn't that a benefit to you that you're less likely to get hit and injured if there's more people out there? I mean, he also, if also I, how does that affect you getting hit? I mean, is he suing the school? Is he actually going to sue the kid? He's, no, he's suing the school. Okay, the poor kid. He's saying the school should have known that the interest in the game was significant. They had a new head coach. There was going to be too many people on the sidelines. They should have planned better to protect people who were going to be on the sidelines. I mean, this was this first high school game. Exactly. Have you ever, what did he want, like a guardrail installed? The thing is, too, like, <laughs> I mean, when he came on the show, and I'm sure the podcast is back there. I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing. But he was it's up somewhere, yeah. He was pretty like complimentary of how, how well Trinity handled it. Like he was Ooh, like, "Ooh, are we going to be used in court?" We might be. I, but it, we, we weren't the only we were far from I think he went on like pretty much every show okay. and did like interviews with the Courier Journal and stuff. But he I remember him saying like he's like I should have moved earlier. I saw it coming. I should have moved a second earlier, but I hesitated. That he, that hesitation is what got me. And then I'm I'm on my back. He's like credit to the Trinity High School like the the Mercy staff like they they were right there. They got me out of there. They got me on a stretcher. Like there was no sort of like the school should have known better. There was no sort of like it was there were too many people there for me to get my usual spot. It just seemed I don't know. It, it just seems like a year after the fact. Like, come on, Fred. And for for somebody who's gonna text and be like, Trevor, you're a hypocrite. You just you just said, oh, come on, Fred, and you said you'd sue for medical. Yeah, something tells me he's got better insurance than I do. That's right. I think there's a good, there's a good chance that the good people at the the TV station is 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 hooking him up with a lot better insurance than I'm getting. Uh, no disrespect to guys here, Big X. You know, and, and some is better than none, though. I'll tell you that much. And I know it was a bad injury. I mean, he described. He said his doctor described it as like the Teddy Bridgewater injury. Like well, that's how bad his knee was messed up. So I'm, yeah. I, I know the past year has been. And his age just can't help it as well. I mean, he's sure. Up there and, and, I know the past year has been very tough for him. It was a long road back. I know he just got back to playing golf and stuff. But Fred, <laughs> like everybody knows, when you're on the sidelines of a football game, this is. There's an inherent risk, right? Yeah, you're doing your job, but yeah, usually you're you have taking to sign a risk. Usually, especially I know when I did some uh, intern work for uh, ESPN, doing like when I did the UK game when Bush got hurt, and uh-huh. I was on the sideline directly, right next fifty feet from him when it happened. It was, yeah. And some other games I did, they had to sign waivers, you know, just in case you're going to you're going to get run over, you get hurt, you know, you can't you can't sue us now. I don't think a high school is going to go to that degree, especially when it's dealing with someone who has been coming to their games probably for, what, 20-plus years? I mean, more than that. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was probably underselling it. I was trying to give him a little help on the age thing before I get sued. I mean, I think he's been doing it for 30 years. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's just, come on. Dude, no. It also didn't help. Is there details in the the lawsuit or just is that all that we know at this point is that he has filed a, I'm assuming, a civil suit in some way, in some sort? He wants, I mean, jury trial. He wants payment for damages, court costs. Standard. It's a standard complaint. Yeah. Um, He, it's basically, it's the quote that I read. I don't think he put that in there. Um, But the... Basically saying the caliber of play and the athleticism of the players at THS is significantly higher than that of most high schools in the local state. <laughs> so this happened at Wagner would be good. <laughs> Despite its knowledge, the high school did not go to reasonable like lengths to protect Calgo and everybody else on the sidelines. Is what it's, it feels like a lawsuit that's... And I mean, if this was at a public school, does he sue? It'd be tougher. I mean, guess mail. <laughs> Does it depend on? Do you have to, are you citing like the records, like how many players they put in college? I mean, I was thinking more, you know, a private to a public school. You can't. I mean, you should go to public school. You're not going to really get. You mean, you're not getting anything. You might, but you're kind of also screwed. Well, up. mail. If if the argument is the caliber of play and the athleticism of the players on the roster are so good that you need to take proper precaution for people on the sidelines. See, that's lame. Mail's right there with Trinity. It is, but to but me, the only one to me that that's just fancy talk for saying a private school that has money. It feels, I mean, 
Well, that, I mean, that part right there isn't. I, I don't think. Like, he, if this was if this was central and Shawnee, is he suing anybody? No. Okay, exactly. No. No. I mean, let's, yeah. let's, this let's is be real. Wagner and Seneca suing. No. Let's be real. Yeah. No. He's probably wishing this happened at Walden or something. I don't think he is. I mean, because he <laughs> wouldn't be able to sue. Well, no, Walden's a pretty expensive school, isn't it? Oh, yeah. St. Francis football team? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Casey collegiate of a football team? <laughs> I don't think they do. Um, I mean, what, I wonder what his reasoning been for that one. Like, they, they should have known, but they could have put up gates at that point. And again, I, I like Fred. I understand <laughs> I it's been a, I mean, a tough road for him. But this, it's just, he had to have known that this wasn't going to be received well. And it hasn't been received particularly well. It just, it also didn't help him today that the most viral video on the internet was a, a guy getting bumped into by a running back on the sidelines, falling backwards, having his pants go down around his ankles, and then falling down with his pants, like, at his feet. <laughs> like, that was like, like, it was a tough look. The juxtaposition was tough for Fred. <laughs> Ah, oh, Fred. I mean, that's just no. Uh, Thornton sex lines five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. The text came in before we even started the show. Um, just saying, I I can't read half of these because the language. But um, Plummy Bro <laughs> one had said, "Fred thoughts on Fred Calgill suing Trinity because the sideline had too many people." Um, Fred, I can't read that one. Texas says, <laughs> "I mean, I assume if you can't read it, that means it's it's probably not on Fred's it's, side. It's using words against Fred that are, are not radio appropriate. Jenna might say them." But I can't say them. This is just the is this the ending to I challenge Fred? Is him going into court against Trinity? Maybe. <laughs> Texas Fred Calgill's a bum. This is a money grab. Texas the Calgill story reeks of something else going on here, financially or another issue he's dealing with. I can't imagine. I mean, is I'd, it Fred that got in trouble a little bit with the the picture he tweeted out of the wife personally? But that but, wasn't like, which was really weird because it wasn't even that big. No, he didn't, didn't get in trouble with like work or anything. I think it was just people were like, it was kind of weird to post that. Yeah, wife. it's true. And yeah. I think he deleted it just because people were like, he did, kind of yeah. Um, it wasn't even bad though, but yeah. I mean, I can't pretend to know what's going on in Fred's personal life, but I mean, I've I fought, like I'm friends with him on social media. I've seen his house; he's doing well for himself. <laughs> it seems like he's living a good life. I can't imagine that he's. That I was over for, for a fondue party. I've seen the indoor. The guy's got name furniture. <laughs> I double clicked this picture on Instagram. I've, I, I, looks like a lovely home. He's doing fine. It seems he's, like he's got a gated community. He's good. It's what it feels like. Texas says uh, Fred just ruined his Louisville reputation. Unless you're a Sanex guy, I guess. It, I mean, it does seem if like you're a Sanex guy. You probably do. It like does it. seem like the biggest story coming out of this is like Fred Calgo's been a you know a a, mem- a well-known member of this community for a long period of time, who's been I think respected and liked for the most part by the average Louisvilleian, and a lot of people today are kind of like Fred. Here's the problem I have with this, and I I, I mean. I just don't know if Fred thinks this through when he goes with this, but this can open a kind of bad Pandora's box to where if this, I mean, he... I love a good Pandora's box. You love it. You can't put the monkey back in the box, man. Uh, if you if he wins this, and there's, it's you know, possible he could, I mean... Sure, I guess. And he gets, you know, Trinity has to pay out. It's not like Trinity's going to go bankrupt or anything like that notion, but that they're going to take a hit. Where does this uh, where does this start where Southern High School starts saying you can't be on our sideline now? Yeah. I mean you can't we want you know, Haskins wants to, to cover Fern Creek game. Nope, sorry. Or it becomes a deal where like you, you know, said you have to sign. Unless you want to be in a chopper with, with with Kent Taylor above us, you're SOL buddy. The result is probably going to be more something like you said, where every high school now like just gets annoyed because they have to put out all these waivers that everybody has to sign before. I mean, they this go is like the game. equivalent of McDonald's having to put the, your coffee is hot on the cup. You've made. I won't get into my like 
every person who goes to law school has that case talked about. Like why they're like, actually, uh, it was a like McDonald's <laughs> was wrong. And I have to, I have to, I don't want to do the well actually thing. Famous. I, do we do we you know the name of the? I wish we could look. We, we got to find the name of the person. What under she's up? You there. can, but like if you want the, the the quick the quick facts, McDonald's was actually making its coffee purposely way way too hot, and they lost that lawsuit mm. for good reason. Like they were making it way too hot because they didn't want people to. I can't remember what the actual rationale was. They didn't want people to be able to like drink it fast enough, like while they were like in the line, so they could taste how crappy it was. Uh, it was like, well, wasn't she having it like between her legs in a sports car or something? No, it, on the exchange. It happened on the exchange. Okay, yeah, that was the thing. That's, but that's, anyway, there's some people listening. Like, what the hell are these two I know, talking about? I know. I, I was wondering how relevant that case is to people. Like, where well, this is like where we need Jen in here if she remembers that story. But if she, I'm sure she does. It was like the late '90s. Was it even? Yeah, yeah. that's true. I'm sure if Red were to win this case, you're right. Like, Turney's going to be okay. But my guess. I mean, he'll the, take a hit, though. I mean, my, you know? well, yeah, for sure. Yeah. My my guess is that the the lasting ramification of it is every high school now locally has to get everybody to sign this stuff, and it's just like people are like, "Damn it, Calgo!" Like, like before every game, like some <laughs> it's going to be the Calgo rule. Some poor student assistants going out there like handing out waivers for everybody to sign. I mean, like, I mean, these guys go to like seventeen different high school games a night on Fridays. Yeah, like they they're all over the place. You don't have time to like sit there and do all that stuff. I mean, maybe you could find a way to like sign like a, a like a joint thing that says overall, you know, for every game that we attend this particularly year, particularly public season. schools at least. I mean, you could do it as as a group, probably public but, schools. But again, but with the private schools, or what if you're going to like Fort Thomas problem, Islands though. or something? Here's I mean. the problem: if you do that, if you do like some sort of all encompassing at the beginning of a season, like for every game I attend this season, I waive the right to. Calgill's statement is arguing that this game in particular, because it was Jacob's first game as Trinity as head coach, there was a, yeah. a an influx of attention. Like because so this is a game specific deal. True. So you would have to again if he wins, which I don't think he will, but if he were to win, you would probably not be able to get away with like I an all encompassing way. Winners, even if they decide to settle, that's still that's still a win for well, him. Settlement's different though. You yeah, but if you just still decide to settle, that's still going to put some fear into schools. I can I can. Imagine. It might, but then it would be like a school to school thing where you're like, yeah, we probably, but like. I mean, you don't want to. I mean, no school I don't think wants to, have to deal settled. with this. No school should have to deal with this. I, don't, I can't imagine Journey settles this. I mean. It's just how would you like to be a jury on jury? I saw Pat Forty's doing jury duty right now. How would you like to have that case? Oh, I'd love to be on this jury. I would have traded my my capital you would punishment. You just like you just want to drag Trinity over the coals. <laughs> would I be bad? You'd be like I'm team. You like come up like wearing a cowgirl shirt. I'm, no, I'm going to wear, wear wearing Wagner gear. Yeah, up and down. Ninety three. We had to beat. <laughs> Anybody here want to admit that clipping call against uh, the Crabtree team yet? Anybody? Come on. <laughs> I know the Bronx won't admit it. I've asked, I've asked Greg on many occasions. He still claims it didn't happen. Texas says, I remember Cowgill coming on the show and acting like he was the all-star athlete whose career was ruined. I remember him saying the Teddy Bridgewater injury thing. GTFOH. Uh, <laughs> it's a bunch of letters. Texture's saying that. He said Fred got hurt at work. Workers comp paid for that. I think that's probably – it had to have been the case. Right? Yeah. I mean – that's why I don't get what I, what kind of if he's if he's not being if his if his medical bills were covered from you know because of his because it's part of his job which I can imagine they were had to have been then then this is all about just wanting to get like a little extra coin and, and usually and he and for someone who doesn't need it this just means he's angry at Trinity for something Texas Fred's employer should be paying for his medical he was on the job still a little he's can't w, you know who, who's Fred with again I forget so what. He, which which TV station is Fred? Would I forget? WLKY. WLKY. That's why I wanted to say. Okay, I always get I always get confused. I get them mixed up. Texas. If every sideline person during college football sued every school, there would be lawsuits everywhere. Cameramen get drilled weekly during football games. They do. Yeah. Like I said, now when I was with when I did the internship with ESPN, they made me sign a waiver. Now I don't know if that was because I was just interning or what, but I, I did have to sign one before I did the UL game and the other game I did. 
Texas Trevor, if your income is low enough, you can get free health insurance on the exchange. Just don't tell them that you don't eat salads. <laughs> the issue is you don't file taxes. Actually, I do. I, I take that back. I think I may have some insurance. Dugan did get me some at one point with, through the station. I just don't remember what it was because I don't go to the doctor. Yeah. I mean, I just not, I'm just not one to really. If I feel really bad, I'll go to prompt care. 100 bucks right up front. Boom. You're yeah. in, you're out. But, uh, yeah, I just don't really go to the doctor too much. Texas, wouldn't it be easier for Fred to go after WOKY on workers' conditions? Well, yeah, but that's probably no, not that's something that he's willing to that's, do. You don't, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. It would probably be an easier lawsuit, but he's he's the sports director for WOKY. He's not going to sue his own company. <laughs> <laughs> Did, are they owned by a more parent company, I wonder? Or? Still, he's not going to do it. Yeah. Like he's, again, he's that's his job. He's gainfully employed. He's doing well for himself. You don't think Trendy will settle on this to avoid it going any I don't far? think so. I don't. But I mean, I'm not saying they would settle for because I mean, we don't know the amount he's asking for, right? That wasn't made public. No, they usually don't. Sometimes, well, a lot of times, sometimes they do with some certain cases. In the case, in something like this, they're not going to. They're going to keep it they're, quiet. They're going to. It'll be vague terminology, just saying like I'm entitled to all the benefits that I have coming to me. So I mean, I'd like to know what this. I'd like if they do. One, I would hate for them to settle, but I would not be shocked if they did. I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be surprised, though. I think this this sounds to me like depends on what he's willing to take in the settlement, maybe. But we don't know what that's going to yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, if it's like a hundred bucks and an apology or something, then <laughs> yeah, they'll settle it. Kramer's coffee for life. <laughs> but if he's asking for what my guess is, he would have to be asking for to bring a suit like this. I think Trinity's fine with going going to jury trial because I think they'd win. He's he's probably asking for six figures, right? I would guess so. I yeah. mean, there's no other. I mean, there'd be no other point in doing it for anything less, right? I, that's that's. I mean, that's my, my mindset. That's my assumption, too. If yeah. he's willing to do something like this publicly, which he knows, he or at least should have known, was not going to be met with like a overwhelming approval from the public. If he knew it was going to call, put himself in the headlines in sort of a contentious way. Which is a scary thing to do when you've you, got to be willing to do it for a reasonable sum of money. You can't be doing it for like, hey, I just feel like I'm, I'm owed this because I've gone through some trauma. I want... 500 bucks and like a apology or something like that it has to be I, i'm guessing he's going for a large amount of money. i mean that's and that's because of the fact you know you're going to get i mean you would think i mean i don't know maybe see somehow he was convinced he wouldn't but i mean you, you, like you said you you know you're going to get publicly probably in the backlash from this yes and risky thing to do when you know you're one of you know four sportscasters in an area where you know viewership it can be few and far between to upset the local people that yeah. you I mean, that's. I know Fred's been in this business a long time. He probably has, you know, he's kind of like WWE. He's got like you know a base fifty and over clientele that's probably going to watch him, you know, regardless of this because they probably don't follow Twitter anyway. Uh, kind of near my area of people, <laughs> you would say. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if this doesn't. I mean, if people can be. Fickle. Fickle, yeah. That's exactly the word I was going to use. The, I mean. yeah, especially the people who watch local news on a nightly basis. Yeah. All, you have four options that are, let's be real, like the, the three main options outside of WGRB, the ones who are on at the same time. It's kind of the same stuff. It is. You'll so, see the same story. And so and, all it takes is like one person doing something small that pisses you off a little bit to mm-hmm. be like, well, you know what? Never watching Wave again. I'm going to WHAS or I'm going to WOKY. Like, you're, it's a fair point. Like, he's got to know that this is going to potentially cost him viewers in a market where you can't really afford to lose viewers. I mean, unless you're just, his mindset is, I'm going to win this case, I'm going to get six figures, and this is part of my retirement. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I mean I'll go out knowing that, you know, I mean, because, yeah, he could just, I mean, like you said, he's up there. He's going to do this for 30, 40 years or whatever it's been. I don't know. It's a weird situation. I, I don't, I would, I would have mind been the fly on the wall 
during the during this, this conversation with probably his wife and his attorney of, of the pros and cons of doing this situation and going through with this, but I was a part of two different I challenge Freds during school. When I was at Wilder Elementary in third grade, a girl who was like a unicycle expert challenged Fred to a unicycle race. She beat him. <laughs> why? Why? I think I remember seeing that one time. Do you? Like you'd see, he, he fell like off and started running gym, with it. That and him doing gymnastics one time also rings a bell. Like trying to do like a somersault or something like that. It was a big cartwheel. Deal. We had the the entire school went to like the the cafeteria slash gym. It was like it was one of those like all the little public schools where like you had like a giant like curtain that shielded the gym from the cafeteria, and you could just take the curtain down and make it one big event space. Oh, so yeah. we all went there and watched this thing. He fell off the the unicycle and then like ran with it. It was hilarious. The whole school just dying laughing. Of course. And then in eighth grade. He was challenged to direct our like carpool lanes, and that was only memorable because as we were walking out of school, my buddy Eric goes, "Yeah, I challenged Fred. I challenged Fred to kiss my ass." And, like, <laughs> in, the, in the background of the hall, all I hear is the teacher, Eric Whiting. And he was like, "Oh, he's no. throwing this poor guy out now on the yeah. radio." I mean, Whiting lessons. He loves the show. Okay, he's yeah. fine. He, he, he knows well, the story. His dad knows the story. Everybody knows the story. He got he, te- he, he got detention. It was great. He told it at my wedding. <laughs> I challenged Fred. I challenged Fred to kiss my ass, Eric Whiting. I was like, "Oh, mistake, but worth it." Oh, Eric, worth it for the story. Calgo, I think, directed. Be carpool. happy to get sued, buddy. I think he directed Carpool very well. <laughs> what if he goes after wanting that? Wanting to go to Trinity. I mean, I wonder if he starts going after everybody that challenged him. Texas, what if he got hurt on that unicycle? Poor Wilder would have never been a thing. Texas says Fred Calgill suing Trinity reminds me of Jason Street's family suing Coach Taylor and Dylan High on Friday Night Lights. It's uh, it's the very first thing I thought of when oh, this suit came out. I start getting, I mean, I you could not even have. I mean, we started least, doing full Friday, Friday Night Light references. At least Jason felt bad about it. I mean, he didn't want to do it. But he was, uh, he was you know. He was fine. He was doing what he was going to do. But it was that, that honestly was the very first comparison that I thought of, too. Yeah. Texture says. Not I, me because I don't watch the show. I know. <laughs> so I have no idea what you're talking about. Texture says, I never understood why there are so many fans on the sidelines. Isn't that what the stands are for? The view from the sidelines is not that great. Well, the, the, I actually agree with that part. I, well, I agree that the view yeah, is not as good. I've been, I've been there, too. But no, they're on the sidelines just because it's just a different experience also i mean whether the level of football you're watching or even basketball i mean it's just a different people just want to feel cool too plus i mean yeah you're trying to you're in media you're also trying to kind of get your you know you're watching the game but you got one ear also kind of over by the coaches you're trying to listen to stuff can kind of get inside of what's going on yeah i I think it's a it's another thing you're doing at least i was i was always trying to i was always eavesdropping on everything in the huddles and everything there's definitely like a a cool element to it you want to experience it but after a while you realize like the view is just not if you're if you're there to watch the game yeah yeah the view is not great it. yeah i say that for any sport though i yeah. mean that's i used to, my favorite thing in, in basketball was i was with a, uh, a young lady or she had tickets was like the first level second uh second level first row of freedom hall i loved it would go loved going to watch games with her up yeah. there um texas the way it's being talked about it sounds like he's joining the the live tour <laughs> <laughs> it does have a feel to it yeah it's like he's kind of going heel like he's doing what's best for him but people don't like it <laughs> Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. I don't know. I mean, it sounds like people want to talk more about this. We can get into it if you want to. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton sex line. Uh, hit us up there. We love Thorntons. We love Kelly Leonardo. We love Alex Cupper. He's a Sugar Bowl champion. Uh, we love the fact that they have the Summer Cash Bash still going on all summer long. If you're a refreshing rewards member, you've got the app on your phone. Very easy to be enrolled. Just open it up. Click the Summer Cash Bash icon, and you'll have a chance to win $10,000 at the end of every week all summer long. If you're not a refreshing rewards member, very easy to get enrolled. Just text REWARDS, all one word, to 803 
913 today. That'll make that happen. Again, they're giving away $10,000 all, all summer long, every week. And then at the end of the summer, Thornton's is giving a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. It's the grand prize. You could win that just for being a Refreshing Rewards member. Couldn't be easier to do. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, more on this in the Mike Rutherford Show uh, via the Thornton Sex Line coming up after the break. It's the uh, Rutherford Show Tuesday. Good Lord. 1450-961, The Big X. Back in Mike Rutherford Show Tuesday edition here on 1450 and 96 1 The Big X. Trevor, is there a theme today? Is there, or, or are these just TK classics? No, there's a theme. Okay. They're all from the same uh, same great state. Well, you didn't have to tell me. I could have kept guessing. Uh, well, you would never guess. You I probably No, was, what would happen? You'd forget about it, and then like in, at like 5 15, you'd be like, Oh yeah, the theme. Uh, <laughs> you're not wrong. What, what was what would get, get, I, I, I stopped paying attention. I can what still complain theme? about it. Just because you're right doesn't mean I can't complain about it. But you're, that's exactly right. I'll, I'll keep in ear out now because I've already forgotten what the first song was. I'll give you a hint. I don't need a hint. Just, well, just let it go. We got. Okay. We have two more hours. I can keep thinking about it. <laughs> you're gonna completely forget. I'm gonna completely forget. You're not wrong. I'm gonna forget about it because I'm very excited about the man we have here in studio with us now. Uh, we we tease this all day. We actually weren't sure if you were going to come because I got the word last week that like, hey, Al Snow wants to come in, and then I was like, cool, can we do it Tuesday at four? And they're like, I think that should work, and then I never really heard anything back. So oh, we really? pro- we promoted this, and I was terrified that like I tagged you on Twitter, and you're gonna be like. I'm supposed to be somewhere at four, but he's here. We're excited about it. That's okay. That's usually how I live my life anyways, (laughs) where I'll literally see something on Twitter or some other social media, and I'll be like, oh, I'm supposed to be there at that time? Oh, I better get going. It's like your own personal calendar, which is nice. You don't have to open up the app on your phone, which is great. Thank God. Otherwise, I'd never go anywhere. Al Snow with us here in studio. We're very happy to have you. I know Trevor Kelsey's been excited about this all week. He's the. uh, I was the... I'm the casual, like, basic wrestling fan who, yeah. like, got into it during when I was, like, a kid and then the Attitude Era and then kind of fell out of it. Trevor's, like, the diehard who's watching, like, you know, Japanese wrestling at 3 a.m. on yeah. Tuesday nights and then trying to talk to me about it for two hours. And I'm like, I mean, uh, the guy knows the stuff. So he's been very, very excited yeah. about this, okay, uh, even cool. more so than myself. Well, but we're awesome. pumped about this. I'm, I'm excited to be here. But we want to talk to you. You are, for those who don't know, I mean, I think a yeah. lot of people around here locally know you from your stint in WWE. Yeah. Um, but you have been a you, you've been involved with OVW for I believe what four or five years now. Uh, this time uh, four or five years, yeah. 2018, uh, Chad Miller, Joe Reeves, and I had purchased OVW from Danny Davis, uh, like in June of 2018, and then um, uh, just I think it might have been just last year that uh, we uh, got another partnership group that got involved. Uh, Craig Greenberg, Larry, Larry. Oh, I'm sorry, I mentioned Larry Benz. And then Craig Greenberg and uh, Matt Jones and uh, Jeff Tuvlin uh, came aboard as well. So, and you've been doing since then. You've been doing handling promotions, right? You've been all the planning, all the the OV, all the storylines. You've been uh, all, all that good all stuff. All the wrestling. All I, the wrestling. I handle all the wrestling. Yeah, the wrestlers, which are a handful enough in themselves, <laughs> and then um, um, all of the wrestling, writing the weekly television shows, producing, directing, um, all of that. And it seems like just in recent years, and you, know, you can take as much credit for this as you want to. If I were you, I would take all of it. But it seems like I 
had heard about OVW growing up, you know, scarcely. Like when I grew up, you know, you heard every now and then like there's actually wrestling in Louisville. Right. It's kind of the minor leagues for WWE and all this stuff. In the last few years, it's become something that it's it's unavoidable. It's everywhere. It just sounds like it's really exploded. People have gotten really into it. I see people on social media posting images and, and videos of them attending the events. It yeah. seems like it's been a, a great time to be an, a local wrestling fan. Uh, it's, it's, you know, we're really growing very well. Uh, we're in about 100 million homes uh, nationwide to do a bunch of different uh, – uh, national networks that we're on and then we're on a fight tv f-i-t-e tv app it's on your phone and you can transmit it onto your uh television and we're live on there every thursday night from seven o'clock to nine o'clock and then locally um we're on wbna uh every every thursday night from seven to nine um we're in lexington on thursday nights at 10 and again i believe on fridays and then in hazard and in bowling green as well so we've really in the last few years really expanded our reach and uh increased our you know visibility and our footprint and if you but if, we still haven't really cracked the louisville market there are still people that'll come up to me and you know hey what are you doing in town and i'm like well one i live here and <laughs> two you know i uh um run a wrestling company and they're like there's wrestling here and i'm like yeah and OVW, they're like, that's still around? And I'm like, yeah, it's always been here. So it's Never going anywhere. Yeah, um, and if you watch the WBNA version, by the way, you can catch some great Mike Rutherford show commercials uh, Saturday or oh, Thursday. Oh, yeah. Where I make fun of Trevor usually, which is great. It's oh, a, yeah. a little added bonus for checking in on OVW. <laughs> he enjoys it. Uh, it's fine. Uh, but I make him listen to wrestling talk every every week at least. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Oh, he does. Yeah. He, he gets a good 20 minutes at least, of, a minimum a week of it, yeah. yeah. It's become a staple of the show. I've, uh, heard, I've heard you guys talk every once in a while about wrestling and stuff it'll come up yeah. it, it, it comes up and he you know in the text line loves it they make me you know, he's, he's making me he's bringing me back into the fold a little bit we got wrestling fans listening to the show we do yeah, yeah. plenty yeah. clearly on the on the text line but we've got if you have a question for al snow by the way uh text us at 502-414-1450 we'll get to those a little bit later but you mentioned you know ovw being here for a long time and mm-hmm. and clearly not going anywhere and having a lot of success right now it's fully evident in the fact that this thursday mm-hmm. very special occasion i mean this yes. is unreal the 1200th episode of, of OVW on TV. This yes. has to be something that I'm sure you're very proud of and that everybody's excited about. Oh, I, I am very proud of it. That, that you know, it's 1200 consecutive television episodes. You know, if you if you Google Friends, uh, Seinfeld, The Simpsons, Gunsmoke, none of them have even close to that as far as uh, consecutive episodes. The only thing that even remotely has anything close is I think we're a week ahead of SmackDown for WWE, hmm. and um, I think Raw is is well ahead of us, but that's because we didn't start counting until um, we didn't do episode one until OVW was associated with WWE um, back in the day. And if we'd have counted from 1993 on, we would probably be actually over over as far as episodic television uh, more than Raw. Jeez. So 1,200 episodes. I'm yeah. assuming we've got something special in the work for, in the works for this week. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a lot of you know a lot of uh, a lot because we've got a huge library. So we're going to do a lot of you know. Uh, clips and things from uh, previous shows. Um, James Storm, Cowboy James Storm, uh, Impact Star, NXT Star. Uh, he'll be in. Um, he is now our national heavyweight champion. He'll be in to defend his national heavyweight title. Um, and uh, you never know who else might show up. Ooh, I like that tease. Yeah. I like that. Trevor, you have any thoughts on this? I know Trevor's- Big James Storm's fan. I really enjoyed Storm when he's with uh, Bobby Roode and uh, Money, uh, Beer Money, Inc. Because you OVW is one of the I think seventeen thousand wrestling federations that you follow. <laughs> seventeen thousand. <laughs> Excuse me. You bring he brings up acts that like, I do I, watch. I've never even heard of. He's like I'm watching uh, 
like intense. I mean, I'm mostly optimum wrestling. I'm, I'm mostly your mainstream <laughs> AEW uh, and, and WWE. Not as much WWE last few months, yeah. but uh, trying to get more to it now with, with Triple H taking over. And I'd love to get your thoughts on that. But uh-huh. uh, but yeah, also I've, I've been in a lot into the lucha stuff lately with Triple A and obviously New Japan and have you really DDT and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I get I get in a lot of the lucha stuff really especially because I didn't start getting that until a few years ago. Yeah. So like guys like Dragon Lee and Roosh and things like that, I've really been. Getting into the, their, their in-ring work as much as anything. It's a... Uh, it's a both, much different style. Yeah, you know, it is. Because culturally, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, um, Mexican wrestling uh, appeals to, you know, they, their culture is completely different than it is here in the United States. Same with the Jap- Japanese wrestling. And, and as a result, they they um, they approach it a completely different way mm-hmm. than what we do here in the United States. We, you- we try to sell who and why and... You know, and uh, well, supposed to, anyways, I should say. And, um, you know, in, in Japan, it's more of a it's more physically driven, you know, because they relate more to to that and the fighting spirit and things than a, an American audience would. And in Mexico, it's more the colorful outfits mm-hmm. and the incredible the spots and athletic ability. So it seems like Jap- Japanese wrestling, and this is again me as a total novice just following it from afar, is just more about the bad bleep crazy stuff like they, they, there's just <laughs> some yeah a lot of fire a lot of i feel like a lot of nails a lot of just crazy well, stuff no, that's happening the, that's the um that started years ago uh with that sushi onita who started what they they termed it as garbage wrestling okay uh, or now they call it deathmatch wrestling okay and um there is a niche audience for that um and when i mean niche it's a very niche audience <laughs> it, is. It, is. it is it is yeah um and you know there, there's an appeal to it, I guess. But uh, um, you have that over here in America with like game changer wrestling. And stuff. You do. They, you know, a lot of a lot of guys like to rely heavily on on that because it's 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 all centered around shock, sure. around mm-hmm. awe. It's it's you know the problem is it's very entropic because of the fact it's like a snake eating its own tail. I mean, yeah, you you know, you uh, it's evolved so much so quickly because. Well, I, you you amazed me that you hit somebody with a, a set of light tubes the last time. Why I don't know. <laughs> and now this time we've got to tape seven of those together and hit somebody <laughs> instead of just one. And then the escalation just doesn't end. A good a good I always use this as a good example of of that style or that you know. And I'm, I don't have anything against it. Anybody can do whatever they want to do. And you market yourself to whatever audience you want to market yourself to, but realize you're you're pigeonholing yourself as far as appeal because, you know, there's only going to be a limited amount of people that are going to want to pay to see that. Sure. You know, um, well, I took my son, he was 13 years old in Dayton, Ohio. We took him to a, like a motocross event that was, you know, a stunt show. And it was a two-hour show. And keep in mind, he's 13 years old. So for the first 20 minutes was like, oh, my God, wow, that's incredible, you know. And then the next twenty minutes was like, "Whoa, that was that was cool. That was great." Yeah, it was the yeah. same sure. spots. You know, it was the same incredible stunts we just saw, but we just saw them. And then the last, by the the third twenty minutes, he looked at me and was like, "Can we go? They're not doing anything. Nothing new." It's like a monster truck rally. Mm-hmm. So if you build, you know, build something around uh, just that shock and awe uh, approach. Well, you're always going to have to keep topping it, and if you can't keep topping it, at some point people are going, "Ah, oh, well, I saw that before." Makes perfect you know, sense. You know, so uh, the man's it. a multiple-time hardcore champion. He, should know. <laughs> he is. I mean, he's, uh, I, I noticed. Like, is that one of the reasons? Kind of like your career is so long-lasting. Even you came into the territory era, which I, I'd love to pick your mind about sure, too. Yeah, but, yeah. but 
I noticed like you you mostly stayed in the states is is because of that kind of niche stuff over especially in the nineties when it was really coming around in in your time in your earlier days I'll say better yet uh, is that one of the reasons why you kind of stayed more away from the Japan wrestling scene and mm, or just to, you just liked staying in the states mainly mostly no I went to Japan oh did you okay I'm yeah. sorry I apologize then. I just went for the uh, what they used to call it, it was it was the precursor to modern day MMA which were the shoot fight uh, wrestling okay. Companies. Like, the, um, but Stern and stuff. Uh, uh, it was uh, Katow Dojo and, and a couple other companies that I would go over for. And, you know, uh, very, very uh, um, much a precursor to what you watch now with UFC. Same style. Okay. Ca- catch wrestling with, you know, strikes being allowed and things like that. And that comes and, from like, your time with Dan Severn and I was assuming? Uh, no, actually, I, oh. Dan, I wasn't involved with Dan in that. Um, I did train Dan to be a professional wrestler and... Uh, Dan Severin, and um, he did have a bit of a run with UWFI, which was like the, mm-hmm. you know, the very first of those types of companies. And then we, I trained him for UFC Four, I believe, which was in Tulsa, um, which was a completely different animal back then. Than no, I remember, channel, yeah. You know, yeah. you know, you you d- didn't know who you were fighting before you went there. Really? <laughs> yeah, and, it's and a great and, thing to do. <laughs> uh, incredible. You, there were no tapes of your opponents. You know what I mean? You couldn't study anybody. I did a, a, a like a uh, like a documentary. They I worked with a guy and he hired me on to produce a documentary on Brock Lesnar's training camp for UFC 100 when he when he had the rematch with Frank Mir, and like the training camp, you know, knowing who they were fighting and that it was everybody has in uh, that type of style. Sure. So everybody has a ground game. Everybody has a stand up game. You can watch films. You can prepare. You didn't even know. When you went there, it, one, you had to fight three times in the same night. And, you know, so, like, Dan fought an, a Muay Thai guy in the first fight, fought a, fought a long-style karate guy in the second fight, and then fought uh, Hoist Gracie, uh, which was jujitsu in the third fight. You know what I mean? The Ali so, of bird UFC days. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so how you plan for that, there's it, just no possible way. I mean, you don't, you know, all you can do is, I knew Dan had a great, you know, ground game because he's a, he's a wrestler. Mm. And then I've got to try to teach him how to, prevent being hit and you know how to get in underneath people that are going to throw and throw punches and kicks so that he can avoid them so wrestlers who have not been hit normally because they don't get hit don't enjoy getting hit <laughs> so who does it's it, it, i don't know of anybody i don't care <laughs> i don't care who you are i don't care what don't you're saying to yourself you're lying yeah. there's, there's nobody that goes you know and they wake up in the morning and go you know what i want to do I want to get punched in the face today. <laughs> That's it, what I want to do. It sounds insane, but it also kind of makes me want more sports to have that. Like, imagine being a football team yeah. that prepares all week practices and shows up on Saturday or Sunday, depending on what level they're playing at, right. and has no idea who they're playing. Right. Like, you know, Lamar Jackson in Louisville. Like, we would have a, we'd have a, a great advantage you over a team that was not prepared at all for it. A bingo ball. That's and nuts. And you just spin it and outrolls the team, and you go, hip, you're not facing that team. You're facing somebody That's else. absolutely and insane. And they run it all on the field. We got wrestling legend Al Snow here with us in studio. I, I, I I want to ask you this because sure. you obviously you, you've spanned a number of years over the wrestling world. Every fan of any sport, mm-hmm. they have this deal where it's like, well, it was better during this era, or yeah. maybe it's better now, mm-hmm. or this part's better. Is there an, an era that you where you look at and you're like, that's when wrestling was at its peak? That, that that's when things were operating at the way that they were supposed to be operating, or do you think it's just this ever evolving thing where you know you take some good, you take some bad, and you move on, and it's just I think it's, it's more of that. Yeah, okay. yeah, I think you take you know it's going to evolve because. Wrestling has been, always will be a reflection of whatever modern day audience it's in front of, and that that uh, and you know 
what worked, let's say back in the 1950s when, you know, every German wrestler was a heel, you know, a bad guy. Every Japanese wrestler was a bad guy because that was the society we lived in. It's it's much more sophisticated these days, and and as a result, the evolution of the of the performance has to be much more sophisticated as well. The unfortunate thing is that uh, a lot of the performers are now not understanding what it is an audience wants to buy, meaning what they want to believe, buy into, and that isn't what they do. And that is a big you know the vocal minority, which are the. Um, what we call the the so-called smart fans, the ones that are really passionate. Well, like, Car- passionate. <laughs> I, I, I might be passionate, but I don't know if I'd say I'm smart. Okay, I wouldn't well, go that they're far. not really smart. <laughs> smart to it. They they just that's what they call themselves. Yeah. Um. You know they they because of their familiarity uh, have become you know because familiarity breeds contempt. Sure. So the more familiar you become with something, even football fans, basketball fans, the more familiar they become with something the more they believe they have actual knowledge of it, which they don't, because unless you have a commensurate amount of experience to go with that information, you really, on any topic, you don't really have any actual knowledge. You sure. have an opinion. Hey, good for you. So do we all. Um, you know. Welcome to Sports Radio. You know, but uh, it, the performers are now being more directed by that vocal minority than the mass audience. And... Um, you know, they, they are trying to sell what they do, not who they are and why they do it. And the who they are and the why they do it is the only thing, for, as far as, in, in Amer- especially in Western culture, American culture, is what sells. I mean, baseball, football, basketball have all adopted what wrestling has done so well for so many decades. Even UFC now has, too. I mean, there's an old interview with Dana White where, you know, he literally stated that the boom that happened, which was directly in relationship to when they aired um, Ultimate Fighter, which was the was an avenue to allow an audience to relate to who the fighters were and why they were fighting, and and you know even in boxing that's the only reason you're going to buy a boxing match. I mean mm-hmm. that's the only reason everybody bought Conor McGregor versus, you know Mayweather was because of who was fighting and why. It, it, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong. Like you're saying, I think the best combination is like, like for, take for instance like the Marvel movies. I, I'm not a big comic book guy. I don't right. Think, they have to make those movies so they have universal appeal to correct. people like me. Yes. But they also to appease the the smart Marvel fans, like friends right. who have read every single, like they'll have those little Easter eggs in there, like little yes. tips of the cap to guys who've paid attention to yes. every little detail. Is that the best combination that wrestling outfits yes. can have right now? Yes, that is. That's the most profitable, and that is the that's the one that's going to have the most uh, survivability is to be able to market to that because, uh, unfortunately, most of the wrestling companies are marketing to that niche audience right now of wrestling fans and. There's only so many of them to go around. They only have so much disposable income, and at some point they're going to have to make a choice. Hey, there's a Ring of Honor pay-per-view. There's an AEW pay-per-view. There's a WWE pay-per-view. There's an NXT. Okay, there's an Impact pay-per-view. Which one of them are we going to decide to watch and spend our money to see, especially with the rising prices for gas and everything else? Now it's going to cinch down everybody's uh, disposable income that much more. So you've really got to try to appeal to as much as possible Mr. and Mrs. Walmart. And I always yeah. refer to that as Mr. and Mrs. Walmart because who doesn't shop at Walmart? Yeah. I mean, everybody shops at Walmart. So, you know, that's the objective with uh, OVW is that I'm really trying to reacquaint the uh, performers in the understanding that professional wrestling is the art of physical storytelling within the context of a competitive situation. 
And if there's not an adherence to that, then there's no consequence to anything that physically happens in the ring. And without that consequence, then there's no gravity, then there's no emotional connection, and there's no interest in continuing to want to watch it. Makes perfect sense. I, everything I've tried to say is so much more eloquent. <laughs> like when I say it, it comes out like, dude, there's spots. <laughs> that really clip. exciting move. Yeah. The important thing is we know what you're trying to say, Trevor. We, we, we speak Trevor Ease on the show. To get there, we figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Al, we have to take a break. Are you sure. cool to hang around here for yeah, another yeah, segment? Yeah. I, I'm enjoying the conversation. It's I'm, a lot of fun. I've been let loose on, on Louisville, so, you know, there you go. for the day. <laughs> we got Al Snow in studio. He's going to stick around here for a little bit. If you've got a question for him, hit us up on the Thornton sex line, 502-414-1450. More without coming up after the break. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on a Tuesday here on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. Welcome back in to the Tuesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. We've got Al Snow, wrestling legend, with us here in studio, reminding you again, OVW Wrestling Thursday, the 1200th consecutive episode, an unreal number. You can catch all the action live on our sister station, WBNA. Uh, check it out, Cable Channel 21. It's where I watch it. I uh, had I took the video, put it on Instagram of my son looking up at me uh, doing my commercial during the show and looking completely unimpressed. Like, looked right back down on the ground, went back to the little, like, ball he was playing with. I'm like, well, that's, you know. I was like, Dad is on TV. You'd think it would be cool, but it was not very cool at all. Uh, mainly because Trevor thinks it's actually his son. My, my nine-month-old looks shockingly like Trevor Kelsey, and I've got a lot of questions about it, but it's okay. Uh. I understand. It's, it's, there's been a rift in the studio for a long time. It's been an unspoken word. It, 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 it was palpable when I walked in. <laughs> the the, the, the contentious the heat just keeps growing. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna turn on me one day. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna stab me in the back and turn heel on me. Yeah, but, I'll be really worried if we have a Trevor Kelsey commercial for the Mike Rutherford show and he's like just fixated on it, like starts clapping when it comes on uh, OVW wrestling on Thursday or something. That would be as good as a DNA test right there. <laughs> this could be a wrestling storyline. It, it could be. Great. be. It Trev- could. I've been saying for a long time Trevor will be a great manager. I, I think mean, we need to get him involved. We were. Already done one, you know, child uh, paternity match with uh, Eddie and uh, Rey Mysterio back in the day. We can do another one. There you well, go. I, we just recently, um, um, actually, uh, uh, one of the guys with OVW, Jared Kripke, uh, his girlfriend came to me and was like, "Can we do a gender reveal?" You know, on the show. So I let her come out, and you know, after Jared had won his match, and then I was like, "Hmm, I can't just leave it at that." <laughs> you know? And it was not, I had no plans, but I was like. That, that that was a little too good. <laughs> so I had one of the, the bad guys, you know, start claiming he was the actual father. Love it. Love, you got love it. Good build heat. it to a I quit match that we had on Saturday. So. Love it. Uh, I want to ask you, and we'll take some text from the, the Thornton Sex line coming up here in a second, but the big news in the wrestling world, at least for, you know, kind of outsiders like mm-hmm. me, has been Vince McMahon stepping down recently, Triple H taking over the creative element of, sure. of WWE. And I think it's gotten some fans who maybe had gotten a little tired of WWE back into the fold. It's excited some some current fans. I think some people are upset about it. Yeah. Um, your your take? I mean, did you ever think you'd see the day where we wouldn't have Vince McMahon running the show? Oh God, no, no, <laughs> no I did not. I really, yeah. honestly, thought that it at, there would be a Monday night where he's back in what we call it the gorilla position for, in honor of Gorilla Monsoon, who was you know back in the day would run that time the shows and things like that, and um, 
and we'd see him sitting in front of his monitor and then all of a sudden the head would just <laughs> boom down on the table and that was it you know and that would be the only way that you could ever get him out of there um so i'm i'm stunned I, I, you know and i i i to a degree i hope that you know he stepped away for him i really do uh, he's given his whole life to this uh the man would literally work 23 and a half hours a day. That's not an exaggeration. I've never seen anyone so driven uh, for such a consistently long period of time. And and people don't realize in wrestling, it's always, you know, you in a lot of other jobs, you get the task done, uh, move on to the next task. This is, you're constantly building and building and building, and, but you can never stop. You can never let it slip. You, you know, you're always scared that you're going to lose some momentum or lose the ground that you've gained and, and have to start back up again. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a monster. It really, even on this level, an OVW is, is a, an incredible monster and a lot of responsibility. So I, it's unfathomable how he deals with, you know, has dealt with for so long, um, the monster that WWE is, it's just insane. But you know, the, there's, Part of me that's like, well, I hope, you know, for him, he can just now ride off into the sunset. And there's another part of me that's like, yeah, I don't know if he's actually gone. You know yeah. what I mean? He is kind of, he's just throwing the stairs, the, the shares. He's, he's holding on a little bit, maybe. Yeah. He's kind of maybe waiting to see if the some of the dust passes in this stuff. But, I don't know if it's going to. It's I don't know if it is either. The rumors but. that I've heard is that it just, you know, the more they dig, the more dirt they find. Mm. Which, of course, you're always going to do that right. with anything and anybody. Yeah. Is that you're going to, you're going to dig, you're going to find dirt. But... Um, you know, uh, apparently this HBO Real Sports, they've got something. That's a big, yeah, I've heard yeah, about that. Yeah, pretty stiff. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, the, um, the other outlets as well are, you know, they've apparently pulled more stuff up as well. So, you know, it'd have to be, I, I can tell you this from knowing Vince personally, and that is, is that if he had, if, if they didn't have something and if he had not done it, he would not be going anywhere. I know that for a fact. Like he will, he will <laughs> not ever be, you know, penalized for something he did not do. He will, he just won't. Travis, um, this kind of sounds like Louisville sports, honestly. It's like you know, with, <laughs> with Ricardino, people were like, "Well, he's, yeah. he's not going to go anywhere unless it's real bad." And you start hearing some murmurs, and you're like, "It might be that bad." Yeah, yeah. HBO's got something, ESPN's got something, yeah. and then when it comes to the, the forefront, it's like, "Yeah, Does the, he had yeah. to go. He had to go. To it. Yeah. it was the best thing." Uh, you know, and in but you've got to admire Vince as a leader that he. If you know it's killing him, I know to sure. step down, you know. But you know, for him to do it and step away for the betterment of the company, uh, you know, it's, and, and it's the right thing to do. And you worked with Triple H for for years, obviously in the nineties and, and, uh, and so on. And so yeah. Then. Like, what, what are your thoughts on his? I mean, you, you saw what he did with with NXT, and, and I loved NXT before it kind of got the two point gimmick. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. like, what are your thoughts on him taking over as creative and and how he can. Especially be different. I mean, we've already seen, if you've watched the product, I know you've got a lot of stuff in your play, but it's like the, the, the small differences in the commentary, band words being removed. Right. Yeah. Just stuff, little things like that. Maybe a little bit less, you know, dusty finishes and maybe some more clean stuff. And, you know, it'd be nice. But right. what, what are your thoughts on Triple H going forward with taking over the creative? Well, it's certainly going to be different. Yeah. You know, you've got a different person with a different vibe, with a different direction, with a different vision. Um, and Triple H has always been a very, you know, big student of just about anything he undertakes, you know, and he certainly has, you know, the experience in the background uh, within wrestling to, you know, affect uh, some very positive change, I, you know, but again, you can't dismiss, even though everyone wants to do it at this time, 
uh, the genius that was Vince McMahon. I mean, loyal uh, following. I mean, yeah. And, and, I mean, he, his results are without a doubt that they're they're proven. You know, and, and and that's I try to explain to everybody. You know, when they they oh AEW is going to compete with WWE. No, they're not. No. I hate to break it to you. Anytime I, soon. I mean, nobody that. is going to compete with WWE as far as being really as far as any kind of sports entertainment is concerned because it's all sports entertainment now you know when you when you uh ha you sell tickets you market uh players likenesses and images and you license and have television rights that's a business so that's sports entertainment at the end of the day it's sports entertainment i, I mean how many years ago was it when they had the nfl go on in court said we are sports entertainment right. we are not a sport we are sports entertainment. So that's a different different animal, you know. And that, But you can't compete as much as maligned as, as wrestling has been by the general public. Oh, you know, that's fake. And it's like, well, congratulations, Murder, She Wrote. How long did it take you for you to <laughs> put the clues together to figure that out? When really, actually, you know, professional wrestling is not fake. The, the only one thing about professional wrestling is fake is that we know who's going to win. Everything else physically is quite, quite real. It's quite legit. And... Uh, um, but it, WWE has decades of experience. You know, Vince's father, Vince's grandfather, Vince's great grandfather. They all ran that uh, wrestling promotion, and, and, and with experience and with connections, you know, and resources, no one else is ever going to build because they're not. You know, it's WWE is an iconic brand. It's like Harley Davidson, Q-Tip. Band-Aid, sure. you know, Kleenex. You it identifies what wrestling is. Rutherford, yeah, Rutherford, <laughs> yeah, with radio Rutherford, yeah. <laughs> and you, you know that that kind of that kind of power is very difficult to uh, combat. So, and that's all a testament to Vince McMahon. So you're going to now lose that with him at the helm, and it, it might for a little while get a little shaky. You know what I mean? Let's take some questions from the Thornton's text line. Fans have been texting in. They want to pick your brain on some stuff. Uh, Texas says, did Al Snow uh, ever get the chance to work at Louisville Gardens back in the day? Oh, yeah. Any memories of that that stick out? Oh, yeah. It was, I love that building. I really do. And I'm so disappointed, you know, that, like, it's in such a state, yeah. which is just a tragedy, that, um, you know, like, Thursday, I would love nothing more for us to have been able to do the show at the Louisville Gardens to celebrate the 1200th episode. You know, our 1000th episode, let me say that again, 1000th episode, um, we went and did it. I'm, I'm developing a lisp. Um, <laughs> we did it on 4th Street. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, we had a great turnout. We had probably 2,500 fans. And then our 1100th, we did it again um, on 4th Street, and we had close to 3,000 that time and had a great, you know, great event. But, boy, I mean, how much more historically would it have meant if we'd have been able to do it in the Louisville Gardens, you know, or this Thursday to be able to have that special event in the Louisville Gardens as well. You know, because Louisville got wrestling in Louisville's went back to the 30s, mm. you know. and The and, first scaffold match was in Louisville. Uh, yeah, actually it was. We just recently had a scaffold match. Hopefully um, it last, but. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. I mean, it, yeah. was, it, was really, it was really well done, so. Um, and, you, you know, how long has it been since any promotions done a scaffold match? So, um, That's some core that got dropped on the... the but yeah, I got to work <laughs> in Louisville Gardens and uh, and always enjoyed it. Love the fans and love the building. 
I hate it. I mean, it's just it's sitting down there doing nothing. Yeah. I mean, I I've talked about this on air many times. Like yeah. we had basketball regional tournaments. Used to be mm-hmm. there when I was in high school. I graduated high school in Louisville Gardens, yeah. and like you go down there now, and it's just you peek in the the door, and it's just it's decrepit. It's, it's, it's a going disaster, yeah. wasting away, which just sucks. Yeah. Uh, Texas Al, do you still hit up Mag Bar on occasion? Do I? Oh, I uh, haven't gone there in ages. I haven't Neither. gone there in ages, but uh, I've stopped in occasionally there. It was always full, a cool place. Uh, Texas says, um, who is the best? Technical wrestler that you've ever faced? A best technical wrestler I've ever faced? Uh, boy, there's that's a that's a tough call. Um, like note that would they would know this generation would probably know. Um, probably a guy like like Chris Benoit was amazing. Your ECW um, match with him in '95 was one of. I mean, I had that tape. Yeah. From the tape, that was one of my favorite. I think it was when you first came in as Al Snow too. Yeah. And you did a match with him. I think it was a 95, 96, but it was an awesome match. Oh, thank you very much. I always enjoyed working with him. It was uh, what a tragedy there, too. But, um, uh, you know, there were a lot of older wrestlers that people don't probably recognize anymore right now when I first got into the wrestling business. But, um, you know, uh, but a, a modern-day one, maybe Doug Williams from the U.K., uh, he's phenomenal. He's uh, he's really, really good. And... Uh, but an old-time wrestler that some people might know, George South, um, awesome, just fun, like a day off. I mean, just incredible. Kind of, kind of just on that note to piggyback, anybody currently like that you wish you could kind of do the uh, time machine and go into the match with like an Osprey or, you know, you say technical, I think Zack Sabre Jr. comes to mind, obviously, Claudio. Uh, probably Dax and, and uh, Love, yeah, those FTR. two guys, the FTR guys. I've got the FTR t-shirt. He, gives me, he, he likes to make fun of me for wearing it. I don't make fun of you. I, just, <laughs> I, never, I, I never recognize him. I'm like, what is that? Um, yeah, that, those guys are pretty solid, you know yeah. what I mean? And, um, and they would be fun. Of course, Kurt Angle is, mm-hmm. you know, I never got to work with him, but I would have loved to. Um, really? I'm yeah. kind of surprised that y'all never crossed paths. Yeah, we I mean, just, you did, but we you were always never, yeah. in WWE together, but we were always in different lanes. So never got the opportunity to, to get in the ring. Texas, I would love to know how they came up with the storyline where Triple H fed Al his own dog no, baked was, into a casserole back in the day. First of all, it was Big well, Boss Man. It was Big, Big Boss yeah. Man that fed me my dog. I wasn't going to bring re- up the Kennel from Hell match because I figured you've heard enough about that in your lifetime. Well, I want to hear about it because <laughs> it's the real thing that happened. Oh, it's yeah. Shockmaster levels, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> so so here's, here's what happened. Here's the real story of what happened. So Vince Russo approached me um, at – at the time when I, I was doing the schizophrenic gimmick where I was talking to a head, mm-hmm. he had watched uh, Son of Sam and the killer and heard voices from a chihuahua. And he's like, oh, we want to do this, you know, where you, I want to start having you talk to and interact with a, with a dog. And I'm like, okay, I'm game for anything. <laughs> sure. And he's like, you know, we want to, uh, to build it up to this kennel from hell, which is where they would have a, like a hell in a cell type of setup. And then they were going to surround the ring you know, inside the cell, because there would be a cage around the ring, and then there's a cell around the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And they were going to fill the cage, the cell with Rottweilers, trained animals. And that was one caveat, swear to you, that I came up, I said, okay, uh, that's great, as long as we have highly trained animals. Sure. You know what I mean? Cause Seems was, logical, right? Yeah, <laughs> you would think so. You know, because anybody in entertainment knows, you know, even in, in you know, even in porn, you don't work with children and animals. So you're always going to get upstage. So, you know, I'm like, we need highly trained animals. Oh, yeah, 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 don't worry. So they bring me this chihuahua, and it's not trained. And, you know, and they've just called the veterinarian clinic and got an owner that had a chihuahua, and just, here you go. 
So I've got to try and interact with this dog that's not trained, nor has it ever been around in an entertainment sense. And this is back when Raw, we would shoot off pyro every show. Yeah. I'm standing in the back holding the dog, and every show it would just start to pee down my arm. You know, poor animal. And, you know, Boss Man, knowing this, would every time I'd do a uh, promo in the ring with the dog, he'd come out with his nightstick and hit the steps every time, and it would just set the dog off. And, you know, and... Um, so every week, when we, we had months of a build of doing this. Every week, every week, I would come in. Are you going to get highly trained animals? Highly trained animals? Are you going to get, because we need for the match, we need dogs that are all from the same kennel that operate on verbal commands. So the trainers can stand outside the cell and say attack, and the dogs go like, so it's like sharks. Like they're, we're surrounded by sharks, and you've, the idea is you've got to get out of the cage and then through the cell, through the dogs, so you don't get eaten alive. Okay. Okay. And, uh, and they, they were going to work up to, and they had a special sleeve on Boss Man. They were going to have one of the dogs bite him. That was going to be the big payoff. So Boss Man kidnaps my dog, and um, I'm in the efforts of trying to get him back. At, you know, a number of times on TV, like, fed me dog food. It's not actually that bad. It's pretty tasty. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, hmm. I could see eating this. I could see, yeah. I could see eating this. Dead worse. Yeah. I, I would warm it up first. I mean, I'm not, you know, not an animal. Um, and, uh, you know, and again, I'm constantly insisting, hey, we need these highly trained. Oh, yeah, we got it. Don't worry. Take care of it. I'm like, okay. And even at one time, I did the best rib in the history of wrestling. And that was, they came to me and they said, you know, Vince goes, Vince Russo goes, you need to make a, a lost poster. I said, a lost poster. He goes, yeah, yeah. We want you to do a promo, you know, an interview, um, and you're holding a poster that you're like you're putting them up on poles around town. I'm like, you know, that needs a phone number. He goes, well, ah, yeah, whatever, and walks off. So <laughs> I put Val Venus's phone number. Nice. <laughs> so it airs on Sunday Night Heat, right? And we're in Philadelphia that night, and they have TV monitors in the back, and that's that comes up on TV, and I just quietly slip out of the room. And then I'm listening, and then I hear his phone ring, and this person <laughs> goes, hey, um, I, you need information about a dog? And his mother actually, Val's mother, actually raises puppies, was, was raising puppies at the time, oh raising dogs. Gosh. So he thought it was a call for her, gives the guy his mom's phone number. <laughs> <laughs> we get to Boston the next night, and Vince Russo comes up, and hey, man, I'm going to need you to live to do another one of those with the poster. I go, excuse me? He goes, yeah, we need it. I said, no problem. And even the cameraman looks at me and he goes, what's that phone number? And I go, every time I point it, I need you to zoom in. Right? And down the hallway, Val walks out because I'm having that conversation. He goes, what's going on down there? And I go, oh, nothing. And then for like the whole 45 seconds to a minute, I'm on live raw. I just keep, oh, and if you see him, please call me. Please call me. And I keep pointing at the number. So um, uh, it that night, I think by the time we got out of the building and get something to eat, it's like one or two o'clock in the morning, ring, and it's Val Venus, and he just goes off. He's like, <laughs> my phone is blown up, and it just won't stop ringing. And at the time, we had pagers still, so uh -huh. you know the pager was tied to his phone, and it was completely filled. And oh the next day, I had to go change his number and all of that. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And, uh, yeah, it was it was awesome. So we get to the big payoff, Charlotte, North Carolina. I walk in the building immediately. Something's afoot. Why? Because it's not hard to discern that 
we don't have highly trained animals. Why? Because there's like eight to 10 of them Rottweilers and they all have different owners. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. So I immediately put my stuff down, walk back out and then interview them all, find out one had some obedience training. To make a very long story as short as I can't shorten it up because it's going on, uh, we go do the match and the dogs are so busy urinating, defecating and fornicating that they can't show them in any no. way part of the TV. And so you've built the entire crux of a story around these animals, and now you can't utilize them in any possible way. It, it, and so it just was humiliating. You guys did a good job of just turning it into a hardcore match. Well, we had but, to do something. Yeah, right? but yeah, the fact that yeah, yeah, as, as the announcers are trying to avoid the, being the yeah. dogs out there. because they're like you just said, they, The just owners <laughs> came out with them. The biggest spot that we had with the dogs was the – very large owner tripped on the rug as he went out and flashed <laughs> his own dog. So, you know, um, and they were fornicating so much that, like, they had to exchange information for puppy rights in the back <laughs> after the show. And, uh, yeah, I was not. I was not happy. Vince yeah. actually apologized to me for that one. So. That was must have been a Russo idea, though, right? Well, it was, a, and it was. Hey, let's let's. I mean, it was a good idea. It the done problem right, was yeah. just poorly executed. They, you know, I'm thinking to myself, here we have a huge multinational entertainment company. You know, they, I'm sure they're going to plan to get highly trained, <laughs> vocally directed animals that will be in this match. And then I show up, and it's you know, it's Fred and Ethel with you know their Rottweiler that they've had some obedience training with. And I'm like, oh, well, this is not going to go good. <laughs> so. uh, Texas, did Al like the head gimmick, and does he still have any heads on display in his office or home? Uh, yeah, I, love, I mean, I came up with it, and, and um, you know, when Head and I met the first time in New Britain, Connecticut, it was love at first sight. I knew we were going to be together from there on out. So, and we and Head's still there. I mean, we, we still have conversations. They complain. I don't spend enough time with them anymore. OVW <laughs> took me away, and I care more about OVW than I do them. So, so Head hates Louisville? Uh, no, no, Head loves Louisville. Okay. Uh, yeah, they, they do. It's a little they, jealous sometimes. Yeah, but they get jealous of the time that I spend with OVW and stuff, you know. They get a little cranky. Understandably. A little, a little ticked off. You know, it's like when we used to travel and they're always, you know, I don't want to go in the bag. And I'm like, well, you can just, you, I'm not buying a seat because seatbelt's not going to sit around you. And then you can just ride in the bag and you ride in the overhead bin. I can't breathe up there. Well, if I, you couldn't breathe, I can't hear you complaining. You know, well, I don't want to go through the x ray, I'll get cancer. They, it's not like you're going to the dentist where they got to put a big lead apron on before you run through it. So don't worry, you'll be fine. Uh, Texas says, why do certain wrestlers like doing death matches when they don't need to? For example, John Moxley. Uh, that I don't know. I mean, that's... that's <laughs> he does love doing them. <laughs> he apparently does. You know, and, and apparently enjoys the reaction that he gets from it. Um, you know, each to their own. I mean, you know, if that's that's the thing that they enjoy doing. And, and, and again, if they can be successful and be able to market and build a brand to an audience, but be aware that that's going to, again... At the end of the day, regardless of what they say, it's going to be a niche audience, you know. It's the same with movies. I mean, it's, it's yeah. like fans of horror movies, especially the really bloody, gory movies. Well, there is an audience there, but is it going to be an audience like Avengers Endgame? Right. Well, you know, no, it's not going to be. Well, I'd rather have the audience of Avengers Endgame than I would, you know, uh, you know, 
Friday the 13th, 37 or something. <laughs> you know? I mean, Mo- Moxley and Flair are always going to bleed. I mean, Flair bled in his last match on the pay-per-view recently as well. well. And that, Flair but, comes from a generation. Did, did, yeah, did once did. Does it and always with the blonde hair look yeah. good. Did you ever do Did you ever do color a lot or did you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially in the 90s, I can't remember. I mean, in the, in, the, um, early, in the 80s, that was Well, even more that so. That was prevalent, yeah. Yeah, but, um, and uh, I did a lot of just sticking it up in the hairline and poking and twisting things, so. You know, um, and then, you know, I, I know a bunch of times hard way, I mean, where it just got split open. And, yeah, which happens. Yeah. yeah, those are always. And especially if they don't bleed, then you're like, oh, well, why is it? <laughs> I just got hit in the head and it's not bleeding. I mean, for God. It's going to be something out of this. Yeah, yeah, please. And you're sitting there trying to hold your breath. My favorite thing to do when I was, I would do a lot of matches with young guys is I would start talking to them and I'd be like, oh, don't worry, you know, and just get, you know, just get a little color and I'd make the, you know, the inference of running my finger mm-hmm. across my forehead. You know, I'd be like, yeah, you'll just feel a pinch. It'll be all right. Pinch. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it for you. And then what I would do is I'd go out there and I'd just make a hangnail on my thumb and then I'd, I'd grab them in somewhere in the match and I'd start to scratch oh. them across the forehead with my thumb and they'd think it would, was a blade. And then I, you know, you'd hear him down there going, huh, huh, huh. and I just go, hold your breath, hold your breath. So one night, I literally ribbed myself because I was telling the kid to hold his breath, and he and I said, push, you got to get it to go out, you got to, you got to get the blood to come out. And all of a sudden, he just went, huh, and he collapsed because he had bla- he had passed out. I oh no, push so hard he blacked out. And I went, oh, there you go. What well, are you going to do pin. now? <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do now? You know. Uh, Texas, does Al still have a relationship with Louisville's own Jim Cornette? Uh, yeah, Jimmy and I are really great friends. I haven't seen Jimmy and haven't heard from him in ages. I live right up the road from him, and in, in you know, even when I moved down here years ago, I've never seen him in Louisville, never, <laughs> because Jimmy will not leave the house. He's a recluse, and um, but he's awesome. I love Jim Cornette. He's 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 a one of a kind kind of character. That's for sure. I just called him and asked him, left a message on his voice answering machine. He still has that? one wow. at his house, okay? Um, asked him if he could do a video for the 1200th episode of, nice. of OBW. I don't know if he'll return the call. Um, don't know might. if he'll drop any F-bombs on it either. Uh, well, he yeah. won't do that. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, yeah, he's <laughs> He won't do that. So I got one today from Danny Davis, the you know that was the owner and the creator of OBW, to congratulate us on 1200 episodes and then. Um, so that's that was pretty special. So. Trevor, you have anything else for for Al here? Um, I guess some some just uh, like you. We talked about your history. You came up like through the territories yeah. and with the going with OBW kind of now being. I don't I don't know if it's as bad to say the word territory with OBW. Not at all. Okay, no, good, no. good. Because I, I don't think I don't find it insulting. I didn't know if mm. anybody else would. Mm. Uh, I, well, I, my endeavor is quite honestly is to offer a regional audience, and my goal is to have a, a, about a two-and-a-half-hour reach. Just bicycling going around. Yeah, of, of regional uh, uh, events that are uh, produced and give you a national-level experience. Well, I guess then it was like, since you came up through, the, I know you did Smoky Mountains, you went right. to Japan, I know you did a lot with uh, Sam. I did every company that You worked with Sam Munchnik in, in St. Louis, I believe. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Munchnik, Bill. I love the eyebrow Bob raise Geigel. on that one. I've heard, I've heard stories just reading listening Bob to podcasts. Bob Geigel in Kansas City. Yeah. And, and Paphos and ICW. I went to, and one of my first shows was in Lexington, an ICW mm-hmm. show with, yeah. with, with Randy and, and, and Lenny Poffo. Yeah. Um, like how much do you think that has helped you with your net with currently now with OBW because the land, you mentioned landscape has changed TV contracts and yada yada yada, but the 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 basis of the territory is still there with OBW you have 
I know Chikara has gone now because of the COVID stuff, but you still have that. You have PWG in, in California, sure, yeah. and you still have you still have territories around. Well, like, how know. much does that? I help? wouldn't consider like Chikara or PWG. You don't think their territory really? Yeah, the territory is literally where you have a territory, a geographical location, yeah. and you run television one. Um, you know, and they well, they don't television do, yeah. event. And then to promote and build your product so that you can run live events around the area and, and draw an audience. But how much, like, especially in the 80s, has that helped you going today with, with oh, dealing with immensely. I mean, the, you're using so much of that. Now. Not just what you learned in the 90s and 2000s as well. But you know. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Having, having all of that experience and, and really um, being brought into a business that at the time – uh, I'd say 98% of the performers did it for a living. Mm-hmm. Well, when you do something for a living, for an income, your focus is completely different than it is today when you have 98% of the performers and it's done as a side thing, as a side gig. You pay your bills with this job, but you do this on the weekends. Well, now you're doing this for critical acclaim as opposed to basing your success on financial gain. And that's a big, big difference. What about, I know you, they asked you about the technical wrestler thing. Yeah. Uh, worst person to work with in the ring. I don't want, I don't want to throw, like a, throw a heat bomb at somebody, but I mean. Well, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, don't, I really don't know. I mean, there, there, there are guys that are harder to work with and harder to deal with. And then there are guys that it's like a night off. You know what I mean? Yeah. And well, it, I, I guess just let's turn that around to more. Uh-huh. Who'd you enjoy working with in the ring most then? Uh, gosh, there were. Spike Huber, which that's a name back in the day. Uh, you know, uh, Mr. Electricity, Steve Regal. Steve Regal, the, his lordship, Steve Regal, loved working with him. Um, um, Benoit, and we, mm-hmm. only, we only worked three, three times. He uh, did some WWE matches, too, I believe. Just one. Yeah. Oh, just, just the one, one on, on Raw, I think it was? Yeah. yeah I actually watched Atlanta. that match a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that was, that was the only one. It was a good five-minute um, match, yeah. Just Incredible is easy. Christian. Uh, from the Brood, uh, yeah, you know, know Chris Candido, uh, mm. Bob Holly, you know, a uh, lot of fun, easy. You don't have to think, you know what I mean. You can just get out there and just feel what to do, and you just do it. Now, I know one guy you worked with is, is one of his pit wrestlers as well, D'Lo Brown. Oh, D'Lo, I, I, have, D'Lo. I He's actually a big D'Lo fan. brought D'Lo. You know, D'Lo started. I know, saw him at the show you all did with Impact, the Christmas show you did. He was in. Um, uh, Smoky Mountain, and when Smoky Mountain closed, he came up and lived at my uh, gym that I had in Ohio for uh, several years, and uh, I helped indoctrinate him <laughs> into the cult of Al Snow. So. Uh, a texter says, "When is Al going to start his podcast with Conrad Thompson, like everyone else?" <laughs> yeah, I think you know. I think uh, I might be the only person that doesn't listen to Conrad Thompson. Yeah, by the way, <laughs> I don't either. But I, I think I'm probably the only person that doesn't have one with Conrad. Thompson. Yeah, you're about the truth. I do do one every Thursday morning that airs on Fridays with Vince Russo. Oh, do you do uh, yeah, one, Vince? Okay, I do, and I enjoy it. It's it's a lot of fun, and I do it primarily just so that I can publicize and promote what goes on with OVW. You know. Uh, you know, like we were talking off air, you know, nobody knows that the, the train, you know, the training center, the professional wrestling school for OVW is the only actually accredited by the state office of proprietary education as a trade school in, in the, world, the world, in the world. There's no others that are accredited as an actual trade school. They're just a they're a training center for professional wrestling, but they're not a trade school for professional wrestling, sports entertainment. And we also teach the aspects of broadcasting as well. 
So. You, do, you do the training as well as the, all the booking and and, and and everything like that, right? I mean, uh, you're, it never ends. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it never ends. Now, do you don't get into the, the, the announcer's ears like the, the stories oh, of Vince, do you? I or, do, but I don't yell at him. You're not like this. No, this. Are do. those stories true of Vince screaming? Oh, in, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, brother. <laughs> I did that. We did that angle with uh, myself and Coach against JR and Jerry Lawler, and we got one, one, you know, got to take over Raw one night, and I came back to the bag, and I was like, you can have it. <laughs> <laughs> Never uh, again. That was a nightmare. Just him in your ear. Say this, don't say that. Like, imagine right now you guys are on the air and you have a live audience and you're supposed to try to be engaging and entertaining while there's somebody in your ear just constantly yelling at you, expletives and calling you everything that they can. Yep, the expletives. Rutherford's like, I deal with that with Trevor every day. You said it, I wasn't going to say it. I was like, this sounds awfully familiar. Except you're actually on air doing it, which is great. Yeah, Yeah, but I I do it in OVW. I just just tell your mom jokes to them. (laughs) Well done. While they're doing Going through the Vince stuff, you know where the line is, right? Yeah, yeah. I try to make it a little lighter and not so... You know, heavy-handed. So, yeah, that's good. <laughs> says, uh, "What are Al Snow's fondest memories working with my favorite Gangrel?" Gangrel, oh yeah, he loves Gangrel. Oh, yeah. Big Gangrel guy here. Gangrel's an awesome guy, just awesome human being, and just really, uh, uh, David Heath is just a really great guy. And and the only thing that I, <laughs> the only negative is that he sometimes be a little spacey, and he'll he'll start talking, and then he'll just get down. <laughs> <laughs> And it, he's a low so one, talker. One time, yeah, he does. He starts starts high and just and it just always goes like this, right? And uh, and then just goes off in these weird tangents. And um, we uh, Mick Foley and I were riding together, and we let Steve Regal, who speaks with a, a British accent and is a soft talker as well, and he mumbles. You know what I mean? He just <laughs> he, he talks very often. So you really have to concentrate and physically listen to them when they're talking. Now imagine spending four hours in a car yeah. doing that constantly. And, I, and they would then talk and then involve you in the conversation. And I'm like, I went to Megan. I was like, we, we can't do this anymore. We just can't do it. <laughs> we got to get them out of the car because they're just, they're, I'm, I want to just steer into a bridge about. <laughs> Texture says, who's the best women's wrestler right now? Uh, right now? Uh, boy, I. Uh, well, she's one of mine, uh, Serena Deeb. I would have to say, love Serena Deeb. But you know, and then Mickey, Mickey James. I mean, she's just always amazing. She's phenomenal. Such a pro. I mean, you just can't outdo her. So, uh, Texas, does Al believe a tough enough show could work in 2022? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it could. I thought that it was a great uh, infomercial for for professional wrestling. It, if you were a fan of professional wrestling, it increased your awareness of just how hard it is and how much sacrifice and work it takes and gives you a deeper appreciation. Um, and I can attest to this, the number of people that were not fans of wrestling that became fans of wrestling and that you know became enamored with it because of the chance to see inside and find out who the kids were and you know what they had to go through. And, and it, was, it was a great way to build and develop even more, a greater and expand the audience even further. It reminds me of the, we talked about it on air a bunch of times, the, the Formula One series on Netflix that has mm-hmm. be, be made Formula One like a much bigger deal in America. Yeah. If you see how the sausage is made, sometimes it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, I, I remember watching the, the Tough Enough show, the first one, 
because I think the Miz was on it. Yeah, he did not no, win. Was that was four. Was he, four. Yeah. he was on four. I remember That's being the one on one you of the did, shows. right? I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I did one, two, three, and four. Okay. Yeah. I watched. Yeah. I know I watched the first one. I guess I watched the one with because I remembered him from Real World. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I remember him. I always wanted to be a wrestler. And I'm like, I can't wait to see this guy get his ass handed to him. Yeah. And then he goes through it. He's pretty good. I don't think he won. He didn't. Uh, Daniel Pewter did, and that was well, that, way. that was the only <laughs> one that I didn't choose who won. Vince wanted gotcha. it to be voting like. Because American Idol was real popular then. Yeah. So they had one of the fans. The vote. voting thing kind of was the end of it, too. Because yeah. even the later ones you saw, it was always the second or third place person. Right. Even the last one, like Mandy Rose, who was in it, came in like fourth or fifth, and she's currently in WWE now. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but it, 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 it worked, and, I, and I, I think it was a great vehicle, you know, because it comes down, you know, it allows an audience, again, to relate to who these people are. And, and and then wanting to see them continue on their journey because it's all about relatability. You know, in, in America, United States, you know, I use this to explain this to the wrestlers as to why we sell what we sell. Uh, you know, football, baseball, and basketball have it. Let's face it. I mean, they have enormous audiences. Mm. But they're only for one reason, and that's because all of us here have played them at one time or another. We've, we've either played them in our backyard, we played them in our driveway, we played them at the park. We've all played football, baseball, and basketball. That's why hockey has a bigger audience in Canada than it does in the United States because more people grew up playing hockey. That's why the top three televised sporting events in the world are soccer's number one for the World Cup, the World Cup of cricket, which I have never been able to understand that. <laughs> Still, no idea. No, no idea. Clue. Like, I'll be sitting and watching, I'm like, what are they doing? Um, you're not even trying to hit the guy as he runs. Um, <laughs> and, and rugby, you know what I mean? Rugby, the World Cup of rugby is third. And that's because around the rest of the planet, more people of the more percentage of the population have played all three of those sports than football, baseball, or basketball. Sure. You know, that's why in China with, you know, the NBA is huge because they took basketball over there and kids started playing it. So it's a direct relatability. And as far as combat sports are concerned, boxing, MMA, you know, that's why they changed the rules in UFC to where they now cause the fighters to stand up more because when they go down on the mat, very few people can really relate, and it kind of loses some of the current Makes audience. Sense. But you get them to stand up more, they understand getting kicked in the face or punched in the head. You know, even if they've never had it, they don't want it. Um, <laughs> you know, but with professional wrestling, nobody has done, you know, what we do physically. And, and everybody to this day still thinks the ring's like a trampoline or a mattress. And let me mm. tell you something, it ain't. I wish it was. <laughs> that thing sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, so that's why we sell the who and the why. And the more effectively we can sell that, the more you draw an audience. Actually, and this is kind of along the same lines as the tough enough question. Yeah. And I, I've watched some of these too, even as somebody who doesn't follow wrestling all that much anymore. Do you think the dark side of the ring docs have helped or hurt wrestling business more? Uh, I think it, the, any publicity is good publicity. I don't think it's necessarily hurt it. I think it's created an interest. Um, you know, um, and I think like even... Even the, the show on Stars, Heels, you know, yeah. and those documentaries that they show on A&E, I think those are all positives for professional wrestling. And, uh-huh. and much so, that, that's the reason why, you know, we now, right now, we have a, uh, a documentary team that are here from BBC America, and they're filming one through the end of August. And nice. And that'll end up, from what I understand, airing on Netflix in February. Very so, cool. Yeah. I mean, they've been with us since the beginning of June, and, and they believe Is that a Rutherford Show exclusive? Uh, I've, I've, <laughs> I have not spoke about it. There it is. I've not spoke about it publicly. We're breaking news. Prior to this. Sweet. You know, but it's, it's gotten out there. I mean, it's, 
you know, you telephone, telegraph, television, tell a wrestler, it's going to get out. I'm, so. See, I, I am such a, like, I guess, cash. I'm the most obvious mark in the world for Netflix stocks. Like, like mm-hmm. I, I'm like, ah, this may be good or maybe not, especially sports stocks. And right. then all of a sudden it's like a pan drone shot of, I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. Like, yeah, I'm I, in. I, they got me locked in. So yeah. I will watch the hell out of that thing. I'm excited yeah. about that. But the, you're the person that I want to appeal to. Sure. Yeah. You know, you are, because there are. He's already got me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got, I've got Trevor, man. Yeah. yeah, I'm not going Trevor's, anywhere. Trevor's, Trevor's, Trevor's locked in for life. He's locked in. Yeah. Yeah. I got locked in since Little Garden, yeah. WrestleMania 3. It's literally like he was married. Because um, <laughs> that divorce is going to be long and ugly. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, yourself and that an audience like you that you're the ones that i'm shooting for sure. to try to and that's why i try to create an edgy uh show that's also still very family friendly as well not not so pg that it, it's like milk toast and you're just like Ugh. Mm-hmm. you know i wish they'd be you know do i wouldn't believe it because it's so homogenized but you know there's some reality to it and, and some edginess to it, and, but it's not something that you'd have to, oh, gosh, i got to turn the channel because my kid's watching. Sure. Type of thing. How, how much control do you have with the wrestlers' characters and, and, with the, uh, and like the promos and everything? Like, I know, obviously, WWE is very scripted. AW, not as much. Right. Uh, I don't. I know AW, supposedly, Tony's been more hands-off on the, the character mm-hmm. creations, which is what you came to in the 90s, especially, particularly, right, I believe. Yeah. Which, no coincidence, a very <laughs> successful time, you know. But, right. Uh, where, where do you stand on that at, at OVW? Um, I try to give suggestions. I give directions in regards to uh, character, as regards mm-hmm. to um, promos, things like that. Um, the you know, but I don't overproduce it. I will give them. Yeah. I'll give them specific things that I need and want at a certain that have to be said or done at a certain time, a certain way, mm-hmm. because I know what will elicit the right psychological yeah. response to tell further the story but then it's up to them and and i they, you know i don't believe in characters because it characters don't work um there's a long trail of failed characters that wwf and or wwe has tried to create several of them they stuck with you like avatar yeah Nick cassidy yeah <laughs> um but they um they don't work because they're not who the person really is the why Steve Austin was as massively phenomenally successful is because that was mm-hmm. that's Steve Austin. Let me tell you, that guy that you see walk out to the ring is that guy just with the amp volume amped up on that part of his personality. Vince McMahon is that guy when he walks to the ring, but he's just that guy turned way up, you know. And that's why it works. That's why it succeeds because people can believe in that person if they can't believe in him. They're not going to believe in anything they do. But if they do believe in that person, then they're going to believe in anything they do. Do you think that there's, I mean, because obviously just talking to you, like you're very, very intelligent. I, I think listening well, to. I have a great way of making people think that. I, I, think, <laughs> which, I think you have to be somewhat intelligent even That's to fake a it a booker. little bit. But like listening to Stone Cold, like Steve Austin, like his podcast, he's clearly like a, a brilliant oh, dude. The guy is a very intelligent guy. I'm telling you right now, and not because I'm, I've been one for the last 40 years. Uh, some of the people that I've met in the wrestling business are without a question or doubt the most uh, uh, intelligent, creative, resourceful, and, and class classy, uh, meaning that you could they go in and have a conversation with the president and then literally walk right out of the building and have a conversation with a man that doesn't, doesn't have two nickels to rub together and not make either one feel like they're any less or any greater than 
anybody else. I feel like that has to be a huge asset because you do see yeah. like the most. I think the the most popular and the best quote unquote best wrestlers do come off. I mean, Dwayne Johnson, even yeah. very eloquent, has done he, very well for himself after intelli- wrestling. Very intelligent, you know, very intelligent, very very creative, uh, uh, and also, you know, especially back in the day, that you know, very eclectic. Like you know, not so much anymore these days, but uh, you know, the they were very much artists, and then and of course we all know artists don't really conform to normal societies. And, uh, you know, those guys back in the day really, truly, if they had, were not in professional wrestling, they'd have probably been in prison or been in jail. I mean, they, there's no way that, you know, they were so high-functioning that, you know, they, you couldn't stick them in a cubicle for eight hours. They'd go crazy, you know. <laughs> and <they'd, laughs> something would happen, you know. They'd, they'd try to take over the company at some point, you know, run a coup. Um, and it, it just, they could not operate day-to-day. Now, you know, this generation, they're not quite that far off the beaten path or that much off the edge. Not all of them. There are some that are. Um, you know, one that, you know, would be a CM Punk comes to mind. He probably he would be one that would be self-sabotaging. You helped train him, correct? As well? Yeah, here in OVW. He was yeah, because like he came through Chicago. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, he was with the ROH and, you know, came up a lot the same way a lot of the others did. And, um, but, uh, you know... Um, but wrestlers are very, uh, very highly intelligent. They really are, which is a surprise. Most believe the stereotype, which one of the things that drives me nuts. I'll, I'll go, we'll go to a dinner party or something where, you know, go around normal people. And um, they'll hear that I'm a wrestler. And the first thing they always say is, well, don't body slam me. And I'm like, well, what do you do, Fred? Well, I sell insurance. Well, don't try and sell me a policy. <laughs> anyway, you, you know, I'm, it's like the cartoon, like a, you know, a trolley's going to go by Terrible and ring line. the bell, and all of a sudden I'm just going to start reaching over and grabbing Ethel and throwing her around. Or, it's just an awful Well, line, your you know? favorite wrestler currently, uh, Orange Cassidy, Orange Cassidy. Is, uh, is actually, I've read before, is an architect. Is, is, uh, was I, have, wrestling. I have a Tom Coffey, a uh, professional wrestler for us, is actually has a degree in quantum physics. <laughs> and I'm like, the hell are you doing here yeah how's he not using that in his 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 gimmick in any way i mean everyone loves a genius gimmick i mean yeah some gimmicks like the rick martell the genius they just stand the the test of time to me like you you get them in every promotion and there's always room for them you know yeah yeah we've got a kid that's trying to do a knockoff of the genius gimmick like he's a book nerd and he wears the goggles when chad gable's doing it now in wb chad gable's doing it as well yeah so there's a lot you know yeah, the, the contrary to popular opinion, uh, you know, most of the wrestlers are actually pretty high functioning. Because I, I remember when I was younger and I, I wanted to be a sports writer, and I remember one of the best pieces of advice I got from an actual sports writer when I was in high school was read non-sports stuff. Like you would think it's counterintuitive to just you, know, you, you want to read the sports, the great right. sports writers, but he's like that will make you a better writer. I mean, do you ever with the, with kids nowadays? Do you look at them and say, you know, you've got all the physical tools, you clearly are athletic, you've got the body maybe read a book or, or something like you know maybe if you want to be at the height of the sport yeah you're going to have to work on that element because it's not just about what you can do in ring well i, I don't tell them to read a book I mean, <laughs> I mean, now, when i tell people that i am because i'm a voracious reader i read constantly and um when i you know i feel like i'm bragging these days like you know hey, i just read a book and they're like really you um but, uh, I get the same expression, <laughs> rightfully so. <laughs> yeah, it's not surprising, you yeah. know, that they they look at me like it. But uh, but I what I think a, a bigger factor in whether or not um, someone because I, I truly, genuinely, honestly believe that if you have a desire to want to do something, 
Okay. No matter what it is, you can do it. It's just, you have to be completely unequivocally honest with yourself and you have to be able to answer the question are if you want to live a life that others don't live are you willing to do things that others don't do if the answer is no that's okay Mm -hmm. there's there's no harm no foul but if if you really truly want to do it then you just have to make that decision and do it you know and and you can is it going to be easy no you know you know will it require a lot of work and a lot of time yeah it will but if it's a passion that of what you want to do, then it's never a sacrifice. You know, it's simply a, it's a decision. And then once you make that decision, you couple that with action, regardless of what, how many dead ends you hit, you're eventually going to, you're going to succeed. You're going to achieve what you want to achieve. But you have to make that decision that you are wanting to, will, you're willing to live that life but you're willing to do what it takes to not only live it and achieve it but then to maintain it because that even takes that much more work to to do it texas this may be my, my favorite text today and this is a standard, standard brotherford show text i've got no idea who this guy is but his voice alone makes me think he could kick my ass oh. <laughs> there you go there you go well yeah text- my voice is thanks to i had hiccups for 14 days about a year ago oh and i Lord. wanted to just oh uh, it was insane and so I did something to my voice. So now I've got this sexy, mm. sexy uh, growl. It's working for you. I sound yeah. like Batman all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Texture says, uh, why do promoters try and make someone uh, they're not? Hold on. Let me try to read this. Why do promoters try and make someone they're not like a ringmaster or talking everything that worked with Karrion Cross in NXT and do the opposite? Well, promoters are trying to create some kind of relatable pers- persona, personality that the wrestler himself hasn't developed yet. And, you know, to try to be able to allow them to make themselves into a star. That's that's a big misnomer, too, is that Vince McMahon makes stars. Vince McMahon doesn't make stars. The wrestler makes themselves a star, and then Vince McMahon, together with the wrestler, exploit what they've done and capitalize on it together. That's how it operates. Here in OVW, I tell them all the time, I don't make you a star. You go out, do something, give me something to work with, and then I use that to build whatever you've done to the biggest that we could possibly do. And um, um, their, in their attempt is to give that wrestler a persona that an audience, because this is the key. The key to being a star is one thing, one thing alone. Can you describe that person in a sentence or less to your friends and family? doesn't matter what it is. doesn't matter if it's music. It doesn't matter if it's acting. It doesn't matter if it's athletes in, in sports, sporting events. Can you describe them in a sentence or less? Can you go to your friends and family and go, you got to watch this person. They are A, B, C, D, E. Mm-hmm. And that, that alone makes them understand who that person is, what they stand for, and what they'll do to win and not lose. Period. Love it. Encapsulate it. If you cannot do that, and I promise you, if you really think about it, and anybody that really captured your imagination, it really drove you to watch a TV show, a movie, an, a concert, a sporting event was because you could describe and understand and relate to that person in a sentence or less. Well, I, I can't thank you enough. I know we've, oh, we've kept you. here way longer than, oh. than I, I'm sure you were anticipating, but it's been a, a fun conversation. Yeah, we thank got you. OVW, yep. 1200th episode yep. Thursday. You can catch it on our sister station, WBNA. For people out there listening who maybe are like, 
would love to get involved with this. Yeah. How can they how can they come see w, uh, OVW shows? How can they get involved? They can go to ovwrestling.com and they can check it out there. Um, if they are interested in in training to be a wrestler, they can go to you know aswa.live uh, for more information on the only actual accredited state office accredited by the proprietary education uh, as a trade school in the world. Um, I put that over because that's a big accomplishment. Sure. It took about two years of uh, work to get that done. Um, uh, they can go to aswa.live to get more information. Uh, every Thursday night, uh, 4400 Shepherdsville Road, um, we operate a live television show that goes out around the country and around the world. Uh, doors open at 6, show starts at 7, it's over by 9 p.m. because we try to take into consideration for people that have families, kids, that, you know, school's starting back up mm -hmm. here soon. So come in, the kids have a good time, leave, go home, go to bed, enough time to get up for school. Um, and, uh, but it's, every, it's been every Thursday night. Uh, we changed it to Thursdays. It was on Wednesdays. Originally it was on Tuesdays. But it's been consecutively now for our 1,200 episodes uh, this Thursday night. So I encourage everybody to come out and join us for the show and, you know, have a good time. 1,200 episodes. Congratulations to you and thank the entire you. OVW team. It's a, a hell of an accomplishment. Yeah, thank you And uh, we'll be watching on Thursday. Awesome. I've heard you tell the story of, of your first tryouts with, like, Gene and Ole Anderson. I'm assuming you don't put these people to the same thing. No, they, but, no I do I, not I've heard you tell that story in the past before yeah. about running the laps and everything. Yeah, and, it was, it, this is a much kinder, gentler business than it was <laughs> yeah, 40 years imagine. ago. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Ole's another one with a good voice. Oh, yeah. He voiced everything in WCW. Yeah, he was the black scorpion. Oh, man. What's Sting. Oh, that was like, <laughs> as a kid, I loved it, and it was so let down when it was Flair. I was oh, like, come I on. I yeah. mean, I, that was one of my first disappointments in wrestling as a child, I think. Well, yeah. I've had plenty since. <laughs> yeah. so I'm sure I've probably had a hand in a few of them myself. So. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Big thanks to, to Al Snow for stopping by. We've had well, a blast talking with you, and uh, we'll be excited for Thursday Night Show. Where thank we, you. Congrats again. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, hour number three of the Mike Rutherford Show will roll on Texas at 502-414-1450. We'll be right back here on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. Saying what I did was all right. Trying to break out of the ghetto was a day to day fight. Being down so long, getting up didn't cross my mind. But I knew there was a better way of life, and I was just trying to find. You don't know what you do till you put under pressure. Cross 110th Street is a hell of a tester. Across 110th Street. I like it. Across 110th Street, pushes won't let the junkie go free. Trevor. Across 110th Street, woman trying to catch a trick on the street. You. I love Bobby Womack. Welcome in. It's the uh, 5 o'clock <laughs> yeah, hour. Yeah, these things that not me. Yeah, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell the difference right I'm now. I'm waiting for people in the car going, let's leave it at that. It's the, uh, the 5 o'clock hour of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 AM, 961 FM, The Big X. Uh, big thanks to Al Snow. I thought we were going to see him for like 30 minutes. We went like an hour and 20. He's just like, 
I was. I enjoyed the conversation. I could have kept him in here. I know. Well, you tried I, to keep I kept him, in, him here. in here even longer during the whole break. He's I'm just now getting out of the building because you wouldn't let him leave. <laughs> I mean, it's such a perfect guy to have. It. I mean, someone who who came up through the old school days that I've, I always, which were slightly before my time, but you know, I like, I like you know me. I, you, you know, I mean, while I don't know the best of it, I do love history. I mean, I love my old president his, presidential history. I love sports history i love wrestling history you do and then you know and and that's and that's part of it you know i kind of more was the early 90s days my best memories but you know also i do remember still going to see you know wrestlemania 3 on on closed circuit at global gardens and you know going to to see you know up at indianapolis and watching the poffos and lenny and randy and and that group and he brought them up as well here you know so just yeah i I love that stuff And, and he's 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 been up and down that road not to, to quote a Golden Girls theme song. You love all sorts of history? You ready for some new history? I'm, I love making history. How about this? We're making history today. We have another new Rutherford Show sponsor. Oh, I mean, just everyone jumping on. I it's mean, happening. While, get on while you can. The wave I is mean, here. You better hop on now if you want to ride it. Uh, First Bankers Trust. Invest in you, Trevor. Make the first choice in wealth management with First Bankers Trust. Uh, they got you covered not only with investment management, but also comprehensive financial planning, trust and estate services, and so much more. First Bankers Trust, they always put your trust first. Find out more about First Bankers Trust today by visiting firstbankerstrust.com. Financial success. You know what it starts with, Trevor? It starts with trust. First starts Bankers trust. trust, by the way. And that's why I trust them. I'm excited to have First Bankers Trust on board. We've got First Bankers Trust. Are you excited? we got AirSurf. we got Shady Rays. It's, it's all happening here. we got you, Thornton's, obviously. Are you excited that I'm in control of the text line right now? You are. Yeah, my computer. This is going to be a scary if moment. If you missed the very beginning of the show, <laughs> I forgot to bring my computer charger in. I used the, the computer for the text line. You walked around here looking for a charger. Too. I walked I around yeah. looking for a charger. There was Nobody else has a, a MacBook charger around here, which I should have probably known ahead of time. But the computer finally died like, right when the Al Snow interview was ending. So I've got no access to the text line. You're going to have to. I, I know that the There's one, a lot of them in here that you just like been skipping over, too. Well, because we had Al on, and people were still talking about Fred Calgill. And stuff. That's true. We didn't yeah. have time to get to. I know Nick Roush did text in and say, is this Trevor's Make-A-Wish? Oh, uh, that was, yeah. <laughs> 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 I've do it right. Texter says. Texter says. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. Is this Trevor's Make-A-Wish episode of the Rutherford Show? It kind of felt right like It's right up there, yeah. I mean, you were on cloud nine. I don't know if it's a make a wish. I almost had to do like John Scenic. So that's his gimmick, right? He's like the number one make a wish guy. But I would, I'd prefer having Al Snow than John Cena, though. You were on cloud Ruthless nine. Ruthless aggression. I, mean, I is. I, I, I told him. I told you I was going to mark out a little bit. I mean, I was going to. You tried to like work in like the wrestling lingo to like make sure that he knew that you knew. That well, you were all, but you no, were like no, 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 no. Yeah, not, you were trying to do. He's that. He's not going to know I'm hip. He you knows. He knows I am nothing but a wrestling fan nerd. Uh, and that's, and I, you know, I, I told him that, you know, he was all, during the break. I said, listen, I, yeah, I know, I know like the, the inside logo slogans, but I know nothing about, you know, I'm Jon Snow. I know nothing. You know, I, I think I do, but I don't, I wish I did, but I don't. We have some, and we'll get back into some of the things that we were talking about before, uh, the alley interview again, by the way, OVW 1200 show Thursday, watch on W uh, BNA, our sister station. Or make it out there for the taping. It should be a fantastic time. It's one of the time. few times I fanboyed on a, on an interview in the, since I've been in this business. You were very, very much like just No, it's, it's a fanboy. Yeah. It's, I went, you it was go, great. You go, yeah, you go, you go fanboy. And, um, I wish you got a picture. I should take a picture with you and Al. I didn't even think about that. Um, I'm still like avoiding the camera on regular occasions. I, I completely forgot about something like that. Uh, he's Yeah, he's right up there. I mean, there's probably some other wrestlers in, that, in, in his industry that, that could also get it from me. And then, Oh, boy. But sports-wise, I mean, I, like, who would be you? Like, who are you fanboying for if we have in here? 
Like um, we're gonna bring a guest. I'm assuming it's obviously more in the, in the in your baseball, football, basketball area, but Earl Clark. Earl Clark, really? Yeah, okay. love Earl. Big fan. Like I, I can't remember the only other time I've really fanboyed. I, I know when I had my, I got to interview Michael Irvin. I did a little bit, and because I, I mostly was trying to hold back on not talking smack about the Eagles. And, and I finally broke down. I was just like, I just want you to know that you you kept me up as an Eagles fan as a child, like up late at night many a times. He's like, I love it. He's like, good. He's like, I'm glad. It's the, you know, he talked about the injury and said, you know, you know, didn't he never he never had bad feelings about the the quote unquote cheering by the fans just because they hated me and you only hate the people that that make your life miserable and that's what sure. I did. I did to them as a cowboy and I was like, I have more respect for you on that one. Love Mike Corbin. I, I love that interview. I'm a big fan of his. We've got. Um, we'll get back to the stuff we were talking about before Al came in. We'll have. Um, we'll like rehash the Fred Calgo conversation, which people want to talk about. Texts about that as well. We can. We can get those texts in. I feel like I need to send you somehow. Connect you with this text line. Okay. Yeah. You're. You're. You're already. You're overwhelmed. But I did want to talk about some bad news in the world of Cardinal Athletics slash NFL. Uh, we. We kind of thought this was coming yesterday, but poor Makai back to just cannot catch a break. I uh, know. I saw that. We've got to bring it up. Yeah. He's now. We. We knew the knee looked bad yesterday. The kneecap injury looked bad yesterday. It's now come out from a variety of sources that his season for 2022 is almost certainly coming to an end. They want to wait for a, a second opinion tomorrow, but it sounds like based on the the first doctor's opinion that they got today, uh, he will not be playing this year. And based on his tweets today, I would say he's under the belief that he's not going to be playing this year. Poor guy. I mean, just had such a promising start to his NFL career, was, was getting a lot of highlights, starting at left tackle, and now yeah. just, just keeps having one thing after another happen that derails it. I mean, I think I... I, I, think I, I unfittingly used the word bust on him I think a couple weeks ago on the show and you you kind of were like really and I'm like well not mostly just because injuries. because of injuries yeah nothing he could do I mean when he's been on the field he's been good unfortunately it's been just few and far between and he's been if he misses his whole year again now it's it's unfortunate I mean because a man his size especially I mean that these injuries are gonna just I mean they're, they're not just taking a year I mean that's almost maybe two years off your off your career at some point and for sure uh, hopefully, uh, financially, hopefully he's doing okay. I mean, I know he did okay with the draft, and, and he's doing well. But, yeah, I, I hope he come, this comes around and, ends, you know, ends up being a great story in the end where he's plays seven, eight more, nine more years. When you have lower body injuries and you're that big, it's just, I mean, just that big. And, and, it's you're, tough to recover and part from. of your, your, your niche is, and these were niche, I know Al used it a couple times as well, but is that with that with that size, I mean, his, his, athletic, his yeah. athleticism. And, I mean, when you take that away – I mean, it doesn't mean he can't evolve. I mean, what was the the guy that that, that drafted before Barry Sanders, uh, Tony Mandovich, the the big time bust? You know, finally got off the juice, changed his way, and became a decent, actually, right guard or left guard, I forget, for the Colts for several years. So, I mean, it, it can be done, but you just got you got to stay healthy first of all, and that's what we hope for Beckham to do. And you'd already seen him. I mean, it had happened this year. He was going to be playing right tackle. They were going to play George Fan at left tackle. So mm -hmm. it, it already had affected his career because he was starting left tackle from day one as a rookie in the NFL, which is pretty impressive. And to see that happen, to see him have, having to move positions because of his injury was already – it sucked. But you hope that he would play his way back into being a you – know, And that's all he runs that zone run offense, right. which, which, which expects your lineman to be more agile like your Jason Kelsey's they can move. So. And it's – you make it a good point. Like – his biggest asset has been his unique combination of size and agility. Mm -hmm. I remember the big highlight that went around when he signed with Louisville coming out of high school was he's a, he, he had that size and he was like 360 dunking uh, on a basketball court. You're Didn't, like, oh my God. He ran like a 4.8. He was unreal. He had like a 4.7, 4.8 at the combine, which is like running a 4.2 for a receiver. And when you lose that, it, it's great that he has the size. He's still larger than the normal offensive lineman. Yeah. But everybody in the NFL is big. Everybody yeah, in the NFL yeah. is quick. 
And when you lose that that big skills that you had over everybody else that made you special, uh, it's it becomes a tough thing to hang around the league. But I, hopefully I'm with you. Hopefully he makes a fantastic recovery, whether he has to adapt to a new position or a new, I don't know, like form uh, moving forward in the NFL. I hope he can do it and stick around for a long time because he had a really promising career that is right now being derailed by stuff that he couldn't had no control over. He's been productive when he's been out there. Yes. It's, it's just a matter of being out there, unfortunately. Let's talk about the other thing that I wanted to get to today that we didn't have a chance to touch on before Al got in here, but that was the ESPN, it was rumored for a while, has now pulled out officially of the Big Ten's new TV deal. They're not going after the media rights agreement with the Big Ten. I think this was sort of, people thought it was coming. People thought that the billion dollar, presumed billion dollar deal between the Big Ten and whoever they were going to ink a deal with was going to be with Fox. But now we have it official. And this is the longest running deal between a network and a conference was the ESPN's deal with the Big Ten. It had been going on for 40 years. Four decades worth of, uh, of, of teamwork. And now... It's been really that long? It's crazy. Yeah, it, it. I mean, the, what, the, what the Big Ten is asking is unreal. I mean, they're asking for like, what is it, like $29 million per school. Like, Rutgers is demanding $29 million. It's, <laughs> it's outrageous, but somebody's going to pay it when all said and done, and it's probably right, going yeah. to wind up being Fox. Now, for our purposes... I think the biggest thing that this affects is the ACC Big Ten Challenge, which is something that we've enjoyed since we got into the ACC. It's been going on for damn near two, I guess over two decades at this point. And the way it's been explained to me, because people are like, could this thing still go on without the Big Ten being an ESPN property? The way it's been explained to me is there are two options. One, it continues because both conferences really want it to continue, and ESPN's able to televise the, the home games that are played at the ACC schools, while another network, presumably Fox and the Fox family would televise the games played at big 10 schools. Yeah. That's one option. The it's more kind of, kind of the way uh, Fox and, and NBC did the, it does the NFL where if it's, if an NFC and right. AC team play, whoever the home team is, they get that right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The more likely option I believe is that the ACC big 10 challenge is gone and that it becomes the ACC SEC challenge, um, which with the SEC adding, more schools and looking like it's going to be a better basketball conference moving forward isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world, but it would, it, it's certainly going to be different. But I think that you see the SEC Big 12 challenge become a thing of the past, which it already kind of was, it was playing second fiddle to the early season challenges between conferences and the ACC SEC become a real life deal, which would just mean that you were going to, you're going to get like Duke versus Kentucky or Carolina versus Kentucky every year. I mean, what is Louisville UK can get lined up and somehow an extra game? No, they won't do they that. They won't do it just because we already play, technically. We'll get we'll have a, a less sexy opponent. Can we find a way to get a two games in regular season ever and this, this, if we did that? No. Okay. It, it can't happen. Wait, kill my dream there. Yeah, I mean, it's just that's, <laughs> it's usually part of the rules for these. Stomp on it there, why don't you? The MTEs, they have to um, they have to deal with this. Like, I, I was listening to Tyson Tate this week. Or they had Dave Odom, who runs the Maui Invitational, on, and he was talking about how with these conferences changing, it screws up their fields moving forward because – you can't have two teams from the same conference in these multi-team events in November and December or whatever yeah, they're playing. Yeah. And he's like, we have, he's like, basically he's like next year's field is safe, but, and they haven't announced any of the fields for any year, I think besides this year, but he's like, but 24, 25, 26, <laughs> we've got now multiple schools in conferences. Like we have multiple schools that we'd have to like kick one out because they're going to wind up being in the same conference once these once those tournaments are played. And he's like, either we're going to have to get an exemption from the NCA or we're going to have to have some difficult conversations with some schools and say, you, know, you can't play, but so-and-so can play. And that's I think it's going to be more of a thing moving forward. But this would be 
it wouldn't be like I feel like the middle of the Big Ten in most years is better better than the middle of the SEC. But the SEC has been they made strides in basketball in recent years. Like I I wouldn't be like Louisville Auburn or Louisville Al- Alabama doesn't sound as sexy as like Louisville Michigan State or Louisville Purdue or Louisville Indiana. But those could wind up being better teams than the teams we played in recent years in the Big Ten, just based on the trajectory of the conference right now. It wouldn't know, be the worst. Louisville Auburn Louisville Alabama doesn't sound bad. I mean, it might not be the worst thing though. But historically, you know, those programs they have. Little flurries where they're good for three, four, five years, and then they usually get caught cheating, or they just decide they don't care about basketball anymore, and they fire a coach and hire a no name, and they go away. No, but if NIL is going to continue to be a thing, and those schools bring in a ton of money, and NATO keeps recruiting, no. Eric Musselman keeps recruiting, Bruce Pearl keeps doing Bruce Pearl stuff, then they're probably going to be here to stay, and those could be attractive games for Louisville moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I wouldn't be. I mean, as much as you you know stomping my double Kentucky game of the year, I, I would still be okay with it. I'm just telling you, it's not allowed. I I, I'd like it to happen. I would love to play Kentucky twice a year. It's just it's not within the rules. Break the rules. Well, what are rules there for? They're for breaking. Okay, that's what they're there for. Well, that's got us in trouble before. <laughs> yeah, like I never stopped us to follow the rules before. Come on. Um, do you or have- UK, nonetheless. Like, like they, they've never had any like issue breaking uh, skating across the rules. Would you want to play UK twice, really? I mean, it would devalue. Not regularly, but like, on, when we, we've done it, obviously, with the tournament. It would take away the one big thing that we've had to 12. hang over the head of conference rivalries, in which is it means more to us because we get one game for I 365 mean, days of bragging rights. If you get it happen, if it happens like just like one random moment, like I said, I mean, you meet them in the tournament. We've met them in the tournament in 12 and 14 as well. So, I mean, obviously, even before then, you look at 85, 80, you know, and we played them twice in that year, too. Well, yeah, but that's different. So, but we still play them twice. I know it's, it was a little different. So, I mean, yeah. Like, if tournament it, games always are going to matter. But if you're going to happen, I mean, if it, it comes about like, you know, just a random, you know, draw that you get, you know, a second game because of a ACC and SEC or whatever conferences will be in at that point, you know, battle, then I, I wouldn't hate it. Now, if you were to say, we're gonna do it every year, year in and year out. Then probably no. I'm 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 more happy with the one time, but you know, throw a little 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 hiccup in there, a little, little change, little change of pace. You know, the only way that I'd be in time. the only way that I'd be okay with it is the hypothetical that I threw out a few months ago when this realignment madness started up again, which is, let's say Carolina gets picked up by the SEC and Duke gets left behind, and Duke and Carolina suddenly be, and and we get picked up by the SEC. Let's say. Duke Carolina becomes like they get slotted in the rivalry position that we've been in for the last several years, which is, oh, now you got to play in December. Now you got to play with all the bowl games. Now you're playing at noon on a Friday on ESPN2, which you always made fun of us about. And then all of a sudden, Kentucky and Louisville <laughs> becomes the rivalry that ESPN is hyping up after the Super Bowl. They want to promote on the Saturday after football's done. And hey, remember college basketball, that thing that's happening? Watch this game. It's going to get you all excited. Then I'd be for it. But outside of that, I kind of like the fact that we only play once a year. Yeah, true. Not just because we lose most times, <laughs> but because it means a little bit more to both sides. No, I agree. I mean, like I said, I, I if, if given the choice, tell me annually, once a year, twice a year, I'm going to go once. But I wouldn't be, like I said, I wouldn't be, you know, just a little hiccup, a little one, one random moment of getting a second a second chance or a second game with them in one, in one individual season wouldn't bother me. Are you in favor? I think I've asked you this before. Are you in favor of moving the basketball game or do you kind of like it the way it is? Um, like move it where? Like basketball, or football, in general. basketball, too. Football, I do want to move. Football, I think everybody wants it. I mean, I, I was, I was, most people. I was on board with testing out the last game, but we've done it now, and now I think we know that the beginning was better. Um, basketball, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, I do remember us playing. I mean, some, I do. I mean, I, I do remember the early season games in November when we would play early in the season, early on. But like, like I don't know. I mean, having it around Christmas time can be kind of annoying. But I, I don't think I would like. Where would you want to move it to? Like earlier or in the end of the season? Later, February. I don't know why would you want to move it to February though. It means more. Both teams are in more. I guess. Fully formed states. For every reason why you don't want the football to be the last, I guess, the complete opposite? No. I mean, football being last, I think it's it's different. Because we're a better basketball program, so therefore you'd want to well, be more established. Well, with football being season. last, I think you have, a lot of times you have guys that are run down. You have guys that are hurt. You have teams that have lost their overall goals. And I know you get up for rivalry games, but it, yeah. it's just, it's a, like, football in late November is a totally different sport than football in, like, early October. Yeah, but a four, yeah, but a four and, a four and six Michigan gate team going into Ohio State is going to be a lot more pumped than a four and six Kentucky team going into Louisville, rivalry or not. I don't know about that. I mean, I, I think they've been they were five and six against us a couple of times. You're playing for a bowl game and to beat your rival who's having a better year than you. Yeah, but you're playing for bowl in this scenario. I just said they weren't. So well, but it, it, the last game, <laughs> if you have six losses, you're always going to be playing for a bowl game. Like that's because you it's the last game of the year. You play twelve. Oh, that's right. You play twelve now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we have for like twenty years, Jeff. So that's why I quit <laughs> Do you have the text line up on your phone? Uh, the first text I come across. Okay, let's just... 502-414-1450 is the Thornton text line. You, you say the phrase. I've got no access to it. Trevor's going to have to do this. Let's Texas says, picturing Trevor and a Boy Scouts is hilarious. I'm imagining him as baby Huey. Towering over every other kid, offering cigs for badges and bullying the scout leader. If you missed the beginning, you're of the show, probably actually not far off on that. Trevor by did the way. say he was for a brief period of time in the Boy Scouts. Yeah, he asked I did, if I was. I, I never Cubs, was. I did Cub Scouts. I did Boy Scouts. I can't help it. They, they came to Zachary Taylor. They enticed the young Trevor with bows and arrows and doing all this cool stuff. And I'm obviously, you you don't get to do any of it. You never do. You, like, you never you go, get to do any cool stuff. Oh no, no, no. You go. You got to make a fire. You go to the camp, and they're like. You're gonna shoot bows and arrows and throw axes, and you like wait an hour to shoot one arrow. It goes six feet, and you're like, "All right, next." It's like, I did what? I mean, <laughs> you're saying the Boy Scouts are a ripoff. Uh, at some point, yeah. Then again, I mean, did you make anything out of a pine cone? <laughs> no, no, I was in a mess. Well, uh, I did. I tried to get what's the what's the derby that you do? Pinewood Derby. Pinewood Derby. Uh, I was in that a few times. Uh, my first car. Looked kind of like a, a vehicle version of Sloth and did not do well. <laughs> uh, the the only time I ever did well in it, my mom was dating a guy who was really hands-on and handy. And he was trying to, like, you know, get pull favor with me because he's dating my mom. So, like, he uh, he was like, I can help you do it, which in, you know, kids' terms means I'm going to sit here and watch, you know, um, you know America's uh, right. Unsolved Mysteries with John, Joe Walsh while you in your garage while you make the car for me. And I won, like, two races with his car. It's cool. It's slick, black, gray. It was awesome. It was like a Raiders car. Uh, it had nothing to do with it, which is why it won two races. And then, and then didn't go very far. But I didn't go far. I was on Boy Scouts for like, I don't know, three, four years. I didn't stay that long in it. How did, I didn't make Eagle Scout, that's for sure. How did boys? I don't know. I never understood how Boy Scouts, because Girl Scouts have the cookies. That's their big thing. Yeah. Boy Scouts have Pinewood Derby. Like, that's their big thing. Is that the biggest thing they do? I mean, they don't sell anything, right? Do they sell pine cone stuff? No, I mean I can't remember us selling anything. No, we no. Girl Scouts, Girl Scouts won. They, I mean, the cookies are like it's an Americana. It's a, a staple of American tradition, and Boy Scouts are just. I mean, I, I don't want to say what their staple is when it comes to American society and what people think of, but 
You, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's why I said the only shooting one arrow was little. was probably the best thing that happened to me in Boy Scouts. Again, like we don't need to, to lay it out anymore. But when you think Boy Scouts, you don't think like something positive. Like there's not a national go to, natural go to, like there is cookies with Girl Scouts. Well, also with Girl Scouts, like you have you have brownies and you have Girl Scouts, and they sell the cookies. Yeah, is that the peak of Girl Scouts? Because what comes after Girl Scouts? Is there not a because you have you have you have Cubs, Boy Scouts, Weeblos. Uh, then you have Eagle Scout, and you, you you see the Boy Scout level go as high as adults. But Girl Scouts, it's like once you sell cookies, it's like the you're done. Is you that the pinnacle? Yeah, is that the pinnacle of it? Are you done? They mature faster than like boys. Once, once you can, we've all known this. Once you can sell thin mint to a skinny guy in front of Kroger's, you're like you've got you've you're that's done. your that's your last badge. I'm ready to go <laughs> out in the world. I'm ready to be a professional woman. <laughs> I'm done. Take the world by storm. I'm I convinced you to eat the Samoa for <laughs> six bucks per cookie. There you go. Now I'm ready to sell whatever I want to sell. <laughs> uh, Texas says, uh, we were answered this, I guess. What does the ESPN Big Ten move mean for the ACC? Is this good or bad? We kind of got into that. Already. I would assume if you're, if you're talking outside of the, the ACC Big Ten challenge, it'd have to be good news, right? You'd have to go to ESPN and say, look, I know you're paying us this. But we've seen that you were willing to go to the Big Ten with this. How about you get this extra money now, toss some of that our way. We're going to restructure this deal. If you want to keep us around and you want to keep us intact, which ESPN has kind of already stated as a priority, they don't want the other schools to be picked off by the SEC. They want the ACC to remain intact because it's a property for them. You're going to have to pay us a little bit more. And both ESPN and Jim Phillips and other ACC higher-ups have said, we feel confident that we can work with ESPN to restructure this deal so that it's more financially beneficial for all of us. And I think this is a talk. I think this could wind up being a good thing. If they have more funds available to put into conference and to put into college athletics, then the ACC presumably should get some of those funds. So I'm thinking good thing. Exactly. I'm reading the text. I know you, you can't do things. Well. This is why over, this is a disaster. You, oh, yeah. You might as well just talk to the wall on this one. Uh, Texture does say, uh, my Boy Scout troops sold chocolate bars and Christmas trees. I do remember the chocolate bars now. They were not good. Uh, and Trevor, you and Christmas want... trees. Yeah, that's that, that's a big thing. We used to always buy our, our Christmas tree from a Christmas, from a Boy Scout. Lot. I don't remember that. Yeah, well, we had a, they're we still had, around. My, we, I grew up with them. We had a, the same plastic tree every year. Though, yeah. So kind of, and he says it's one hundred percent. You get to shoot guns, bows, arrows, go white rod, red. You were in. The, I was in a different Boy Scout than you. Apparently, you were in the wrong troop. Like they sent me to like the the one camp I did. I think I went to it once or twice, and like we had those things you're supposed to do. But the only thing I left with was like a like a coin purse or something. Oh, they maybe made made I had to make in arts and crafts. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, another texture does say uh, Boy Scouts sell popcorn and cookie dough. I've been guilted into buying them from coworkers. <laughs> Brother would know. He just tells everybody he gave it he gave it the office, so he didn't. Uh, what's here? The texture says, "Did Trevor ever meet or see Miss Elizabeth in person? I never got to ever meet her before she passed. I was a big Miss Elizabeth fan. Everybody, you know, much since every kid, you know, since X. I mean, uh, uh, Sacred Heart. I did not know that. That's how I she, knew she had Louisville ties because she had where when when Lenny Popo and, and Randy Popo, obviously Randy Savage, were wrestling in Lexington under their dad's promotion. He mentioned IWF. That's how he met Miss Elizabeth. She was a student at UK. I, I knew she went to UK. Yeah, I never he, knew she went to Second Heart. And then uh, they, they, I believe she did. I could, if someone tells me I'm wrong, I could be. I have been wrong before in the past. But I'm, I'm pretty sure I read that before. And, it, yeah, that's where they met was in, when he was wrestling in Lexington. And See, I knew she was from Kentucky. I knew she had Louisville ties. I don't think I ever knew she, like, lived full-time in Louisville. And she came up. Uh, she was mentioned, obviously, the new uh, AEW biography on Lex Luger, who she yeah. passed with him. 
uh, and there the the unfortunate stuff they went through. Dexter says Trevor went to Camp Hope, but Tony Burke is. <laughs> Get on the scale. Get off the scale! <laughs> it my, holds up. One of my favorite scenes in the movie when he tells him, Josh, get on the scale, Josh! <laughs> uh, do you want to take a break and see if I can get you set up in here? Because I cannot do two things at once. <laughs> it's not going well. Uh, I tell you what. Well, here's the thing. I'm afraid to read it because I'm the I'm like Ron Burgundy. You can't, yeah, you can't process. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to stop it. Yeah. I'll be perfectly honest. I've been afraid of you reading these while it's happening. I'm like, Trevor, please tell me you're, you've read this before. Like, and it and over. you wonder why I have sympathy for the Gundy brother yesterday. I'm like, because I know that guy. I mean, maybe not that bad. but Multiple times. Yeah. Maybe I won't do it multiple stop times. Stop saying it. Multiple. Okay. There we go. Draw the line there, Gundy buddy. But uh, the first time, I can totally, I get it, man. Um, My brain doesn't realize it either. Before you go to break, <laughs> reminding you, I mentioned them earlier, but AirServe, our friends, EMTs for your HVAC. If your AC goes out at any point, it's still hot out there right now. If your AC goes out and you, you're dying in your home, there's only one place locally that's going to have technicians available to you 24-7. It's our friends over at AirServe. You can call them directly at 502-264-9662. That's 264-9662. Or go to their website, airserve.com backslash Louisville. A-I-R-E-S-E-R-V dot com backslash Louisville. Whether it's too hot, too cold, too dry, or too polluted, AirServe is going to make sure that you are comfortable and breathing the highest quality air in your own home. 502-264-9662. We'll take a break. I will try to get the text line over on my phone so I can actually read them and maybe uh, talk a little bit more. And about- now people are going to send in bad words because I, I just submitted to this on the air. You, yeah. I've just opened up a floodgate of people just sending obscenities like if they're in the You're not in, wrong. In, in Watley's uh, dentist's office. You're not wrong. Uh, well, nice. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll read some text and uh, maybe dive back into the Fred Calgo conversation. It's the Mike Rutherford Show Tuesday edition rolling on here on 1450 The Big X. Across the 110th Street of a hell of a test Across the 110th Street. Pimps trying to catch a woman next week. Across the 110th Street. Pushes won't let the junkie go. Yes, I did. No idea what you have on the paper, Trevor. What, what, what you write? Jenna left with more notes. Oh, did she take more notes yesterday? It says third quote going into the year. That's true. Different from what that what worked. And Jenna just speaks in tongues when she's here. Like and it's all like two words a line. Uh, who knows? I, I don't, like I, it's like I'm reading a haku over here. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> the last one made even less sense. I don't know what she takes. You know, we'll, we'll ask her about it again. She's like, I take notes during the show. I'm like, your notes make no sense. You just like write random words. She just doodles. Which don't, is, which is fine. Don't the guys who entered into the transfer portal? That's all it says. What if it's just like hate Trevor? It's like Trevor's like Trevor's name with like Trevor's a big X through it. Death to Trevor, death to Trevor, death to Trevor. Die, Trevor, die. <laughs> just like written out there. 
Reminder again, uh, tomorrow, we're on 3 to 6 again tomorrow. We'll be broadcasting live from Jim Patterson getting ready for the uh, the homie celebrity kickball tournament. Um, I'm going to be umpiring if you don't you know, if you don't care about seeing all the Louisville athletes, all the Louisville celebrities, all the UK athletes, you just want to heckle me, uh, home plate umpiring at kickball. Please, I'm going. That's fine. <laughs> it's $15. Tickets are still available. You can uh, I put the link up on Card Chronicle today on a post. You can also find them pretty easily if you just Google a uh, homies kickball tournament. Jack Harlow is going to be there. Uh, the homies are going to be there. Uh, Cole Bennett's going to be there. A ton of former UofL players are going to be there. I know um, Peyton Siva's playing. Eric Wood's playing. Harry Douglas is playing. Deion Branch is playing. Luke Hancock's playing. Ryan McMahon's playing i think steven van Trees is playing and then a, a bunch nice. of uk at the weird thing though is you've got a planet fitness team which rick heber is coaching it's it's louisville city fc players and racing louisville players yeah it wasn't making that team for sure yeah, you've got a uk former athlete players which they have like three more players than the uofl team it, it has a coach as well i'm, I'm camera who it was the louisville team has no coach we need, could have gotten trevor to coach him yeah get you involved i mean we all know i i i'm i'm, I'm a i am i am I'm a legend in the game. We people say this all the time. I mean, this is like, yeah. I mean, the NBA doing it all the time, bringing in former All Stars and MVPs like Steve Nash and Kid. Yeah, like I could be me. Like, what? How? Do, I think by I think by the time our show ends tomorrow, I will be coaching that team. Are you going to go down there? And I'm, take I'm, the I'm ball? just going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go. <laughs> Steve was going to try to look at you one point and go. This is fat tool that just keeps yelling at me. What's what's he talking about? I'm gonna look like Mr. Burns in the baseball sign. I mean, the Simpsons that we're just doing all the weird hand signals and poor um, Lord. I'm Trees will be at the at the plate. Like I don't know who this guy is and what he's trying to say to me. Uh, by the way, Nolan Smith also playing. Chris Redmond, Kyle Kirk also playing. Nice. The UK team. If you're wondering, uh, Tyler Ulis, Willie Cauley Stein, Brandon Knight, Isaiah Briscoe, Hamadou Diallo, Malik Monk, Michaela Epps, Derek Anderson. Derek Willis, Dominique Hawkins, Marcus Lee, Darius Miller, and Keelan Martin. You know, Keelan Martin didn't play for UK. Who's? We should have gotten Keelan Martin. He's from Ballard. Yes, yeah, because that's his. Played at Butler. Didn't, didn't, yeah, I was going to say, wait a second. He should be on the Louisville team. Come on. <laughs> we, they have like one more player than us. We need a Louisville player anyway. Why did they just randomly put him on there? Couldn't they put him on like the Planet Fitness team or something anyway? I mean, I don't know. Planet Fitness team is all soccer players. Sean Tosh is oh, playing. Okay. Uh, Paulo DePiccolo is playing. Louisville's own. Nile McCabe is playing. Brian Ownby, Oscar Jimenez, Amina Ekic from uh, UofL and Manuel High School playing. Frosty Rucker, not a soccer player, is also playing on that team. It's a defensive. It's a football player, right? Yes, former Bengal star. Yeah. Uh, he's playing. Mark Nelson's playing. Dano from Dano Seasoning is playing on that team. It's a loaded lineup. Rick Keeper's coaching the team. It's going to be a fun fun time. Make it out to Jim Patterson. I mean, you got to think this, this, the, the, the Planet Fitness team has an advantage for soccer players in terms of kicking the ball, right? You'd think, but defensively, I don't know. <laughs> Can they catch and throw? <laughs> the boss, please don't put any soccer players in the outfield. They're going to get a ball kicked over. They're just going to look at it and be like, what do I do? <laughs> you catch it. Oh, oh huh? Just the balls are gonna be landing in the outfield left and right. So little respect for professional <laughs> athletes. I think they can probably well, catch just, okay. And they don't, they're not used to catching though. Soccer player, it's just unless you got a goalie out there, he doesn't know how to pick up his hands and grab the ball. He's just gonna he's gonna headbutt it back to the infield. We'll see. <laughs> he's, gonna, he's gonna bicycle kick it to the infield. My main goal, first of all, is not to pass out. I haven't been on my feet like because I've been sick these last few. I haven't stood up for like three and a half consecutive hours. I don't think since like May. Um, so, uh, objective one is we'll not to pass a stool out. To sit on. I might need a stool. I might need a stool. I might need a Costanza chair, and then I get fired for <laughs> Be in the middle asleep. of game two. <laughs> Second, like I don't hey, game two. How many games are there? Four. Four teams are playing four games. The okay. winners. I think you have two teams playing each other, and then like the winners play, and then the losers play. How long is this going to take? 
three and a half hours. Six to nine thirty is the, okay, the tentative okay. time frame. I think I can manage it. We'll see. Uh, I also, I, I'm not sure. I haven't been told if there's another umpire. I just was told I was the celebrity home plate umpire. I'm hoping there's somebody else so I don't have to, like sprint out to second base to call a play there. Because if not, I'll tell you what. I'm not running. I haven't run in a long time. I don't plan on running a lot tomorrow. So I'm calling like close plays at second plate. At second plate. I'm calling them behind home. There, I, I might cause some controversy. I just don't want to cause like a huge brouhaha. <laughs> you're going to be on part of this game like I used to ref St. Matthews. Little Pretty much. Games. That's my goal. Like I would run from basically the half court line, the little the volleyball line at half court from there to there on each side. That's about what I did. And I can see him fine. <laughs> I can see him fine from here. He's a catch. <laughs> that kid's walking. I look over the, the fans. He's nine. What do you expect? <laughs> it's a catch. We're good. Uh, going back to the big topics of the day, I said there were two topics that people wanted us to really talk about, and I didn't really want to talk about either one of them. The first was very low-hanging fruit for this time of the year when it's like August kind of – I don't want to say it's like the lowest of the low. You feel like when you get to August, you're like, football's here, right? Like we got actual preseason games. we got fall camp starting. And then you realize there's not that much to talk about still, and you've exhausted all of your big summer topics in, in May, June, and July. Oh, that's not true completely. We still have hypnosis and Mary movies. Well, we can't and, get a hypnotist to, to call us back now. I've got, I've got a list of my jobs. Do you, do you really, though? You've got, you, you have like 10. No, I'm up to. Let me see what I'm up to. Hold on. Because you have like you've had 75 jobs. We're gonna have the job episode coming up at one. Like, point. I, I, and we need to like if somebody can actually guess the right amount, we need to give them like a prize or something to give somebody for that. We have um, prize to give away. I am because I currently every time I think remember when I write down I'm up to. Well, should I say where I'm up to now? Sure. It's up to 33. Oh my god. Okay. I had forgotten about Brugger's bagels for the, till the other day. I worked there for like two days. I went to a Brugger's recently. Not, not going to toss the business under the bus, but it's gone downhill a little I bit. Still love they the, fired you. I still love how I can't remember. That's wrote as the Chinese restaurant and food court. <laughs> That's I can't, fine. I can't remember the name of the place. I'm good with that. <laughs> but I, I feel like we've got – we get to this point in time and you're just kind of desperate for football angles. Unless somebody – something bad happens at practice, something great happens at practice, you still uh, – you know – you can only talk so much about Syracuse's offensive line and how the running game is going to attack them. You save that for game week. But – Something then, like, like, like the coach's poll happens, and it gives you a little gift from the gods. And especially when you have a rivalry here, and there's an obvious rivalry storyline, and Rick Bozich, to his credit, takes the bait, writes the story, and says, based on the coach's poll, having five ACC teams in the top 20 and three SEC teams in the top 20 and five Louisville opponents on its, uh, in its top 25, Louisville has a harder schedule than Kentucky does. And, of course, UK fans are up in arms. And, of course, U of L fans are playing this up. And I said I don't want to talk about it just because it was a big topic of discussion going into the, the game last year, that Thanksgiving week. And it wound up being a total non-sequitur because Kentucky beat us by 31 on our home field. So who cares? If we play a harder schedule, they look like the stronger team. It's not really a discussion worth having. Although, credit to the KRC guys, they had it this morning, it looked like, based on the text line. The second thing people <laughs> want to talk about was Fred Calgill suing Trinity because he got run over um, on the sidelines almost a year ago and suffered a bad leg injury. And people had very significant thoughts about that, we found out. So we talked about that a little bit. One thing we have not discussed— How many on Fred's side? I have yet to see—I think there are some people who are like, I'm sorry this happened to Fred. It sucks. Yeah. Like, I see why he might want some sort of compensation because he feels bad. But I haven't seen anybody who's like, yeah, Fred, go get him. <laughs> That's not of you because you just hate You do day. you, Fred. <laughs> I hope Fred needs a million. I hope Fred bankrupts Trinity. I haven't seen that take yet, but I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, Trinity closing because of Fred. <laughs> what, if he, what if Fred Calgill? Like, it becomes like Calgill High School. <laughs> 
The Trinity Cowgirls. The Freds. <laughs> the Trinity Freds. The Trinity Freds. <laughs> um, had to redo the football trip field all over again. The other thing that I did want to touch on briefly, because there's not a whole lot for us to say, but I am... I'm so jealous. I mentioned this just being sort of like a, a desert for sports talk. In these last few weeks, I feel like the you, you can see it. it's like less than four weeks away from football, but it just takes so long to, to like take those final steps to get to your destination. I would kill to have what UK fans have this week and those games in the Bahamas. Oh yeah, I'd kill Buddy for a four going trip. down there for that. Actually. Oh my god, like, I don't even care about going there. Just having actual basketball footage to Tomorrow, talk about, isn't it? I think tonight's the first game. I believe. Yeah, I was gonna say, it was the night, it was the night. Okay, I was going to say I knew he left on Monday to go down there. And the question is, like, we haven't taken one of those trips since 2015. It was the it was before the Damian Lee season. We opted not to take one. Mac just didn't like him. He said, "I, I feel like I can do my own team building better here in town," which seems like a bad take in hindsight <laughs> yeah. because it didn't didn't really play out that way. How um, bad we'd been if he'd gone on a trip then. Good lord! But Kenny Payne, like. You can only take one every four years, which I think is a stupid rule, but it's the rule. Kenny Payne can go on one whenever he wants to, and hopefully, I feel like they've been beneficial in the past. We took one before the 2012 uh, season when we went to a Final Four. That was when we really discovered that we ha- may have had something in Russ Smith. We took one in 2015 with the Damian Lee team. I felt like that was a good way to unite the guys coming back and the freshmen, as well as two big grad transfers who were going to play big-time roles. It was a good way to form team cohesiveness. And especially now in this day and age where – it seems like for pretty much every major team moving forward, you're going to have a combination of guys coming back, incoming freshmen, and probably like a healthy amount, like three, four, five, maybe more transfers, just by the way the portal is affecting the game. It's it's tougher to form, to, to get guys to gel during the summer. These trips will help that. And to actually play games with one another before you get into a full practice sessions in late September and October, I feel like is a is a not small deal. But just from a fan perspective, being how much would you like right now to see like who's our backup point guard? Oh, love to. Who's like they showed the video the other day of um, even if like you said it's just a crappy because I don't even get in the ex. I mean last year I barely I watched one of the two exhibition games last year. You didn't. Well, unfortunately, radio. I know. I, I unfortunately in hindsight I I wasn't able to because I actually did want to, but uh, because but yeah, if we had the games. I would love to be able to be home and be like. You know, or even tomorrow night, you know, AEW, you're getting DVR till Thursday, buddies. Because I want, yeah. I do want to watch this guy. Yeah, I want to see just, I mean, I mean I'm not going to watch it and take so much of it to, I'm like, oh, we're going to be this, this, and that. But it's something to talk about. But it's something that, even if anything, just to get an idea of what's in Kenny Payne's head of maybe the idea of rotation he wants to start with. Exactly. And I mean, just, and by seeing certain guys maybe getting, you know, whether it be a start or off the bench first or a matter of minutes. That kind of gives me an insight of where we are right now in practices, and because that's more likely the guys that are going to be getting those notions. Like they put out an 11 second clip the other day on the UVL basketball Twitter account, and I think the Instagram account as well, of a fast break when they're playing. It's full runs, five on five, and LLS is running the fast break. He throws a little alley oop to Roosevelt Wheeler. There's nobody really playing any defense, but then it, it shows like LLS clapping and getting set in his defensive position. And I'm like, let it roll, let it roll, let it roll. I want to see who's the other point guard. I want to see who he's guarding. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm dying to know. And then the video just cuts off. I'm like, is it Hersey Miller? Are they? Is Kamari Lands running the the second team offense? Is you know Mike James playing point? Like, I'm desperate for content, and we're getting nothing right now outside of these guys like punching, you know, punching bags and doing weightlifting, and then an occasional dunk in practice. Like, I. I need more. And the, having these Bahamas trips, at least from a fan perspective, it wouldn't just give us something to talk about. It would give us some legitimate insight into what's happening. Yeah. I'm just jealous that UK fans have that right now. They've, they're sitting on top of the world. They don't deserve it. They don't. I mean, They've got enough as is. You're fine. I mean, 
Good thing they're not playing the team, the home team down there. Otherwise, Cal would just take his bag and run home. Texas says St. Fred's Catholic High School. <laughs> Texas says Fred just lost so much respect and support in the city. Even the private school haters think this is ridiculous. I that is. I don't know if you've read. I scrolled through briefly some of the Facebook comments on I think the WDRB story, Ooh. and they were Facebook comments are of course notoriously unhinged. Which one's worse, thing, Facebook or Twitter, though? Facebook. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't think That's, there's really a wrong answer, personally. I but. mean, both just cesspools in their own way. Oh, yeah, exactly. But for the most part, I think Facebook, uh, those are the ones where, like, every, anytime any Courier Journal story gets posted, it's like, it divides, like devolves into a, a fight over race, and you're like, this is a story about the, the 10-year-old Little League team from North Oldham winning it, the title. Like, what? why are we arguing about who's responsible for crime in downtown Louisville? Like, Please stop. You get longer rants definitely on Facebook, obviously, too. But yeah, be, yeah, and people just go at it. It's it's all they're both awful. But yeah. I think Facebook is where you see the most just people saying crazy stuff. So not surprisingly, they were it was not good for Fred. I hope he didn't read the comments. Never <laughs> never read the comments. But I think everybody has kind of had the same take, which is just the same exact take that you had when I first brought the story up to you at the beginning of the show, and you were like, Fred. Yeah, it's like. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not anger. It's not, it's just why it's kind of disappointment really. It's like, come on, dude, you're, you're better than that, man. And I'm not, and even if you're, I mean, like, I just can't think of a reason to, I mean, other than just maybe you want to be a little greedy, I guess. I don't know. Somebody texted in there like it reeks of something more going on, whether it's like Fred maybe having financial difficulties or something. But like, again, like friends with him on social media. It looks like he's doing pretty well for himself, unless there's something going on behind the scenes. Like I don't know if somebody I mean, convinced him to do this, or if like an attorney friend of his was like, "Hey, man, just letting you know, like you could make a ton of money here." Or if he feels like it's like, like I know the last year has not been fun for him. Um, he's just now getting back to doing his normal activities. If he had like six full months off of work, I'm sure he is probably pissed off about that. But at the same time, like let's not pretend like he. he I'm sure he got paid in some way for that six months off oh, i'm sure he did yeah, yeah. like I, I don't think he's hurting when, financially exactly, he be yeah. hurting financially. when like they put him like on a you know a pay a pay you know pay block or something and that's why he's now doing this because he lost a year worth of salary which even losing a year worth of salary i would think i mean maybe just you know don't buy an ivory back scratcher this week or something whether it's true or not the optics of this to the average person are exactly what you laid out which is it certainly seems like private school has some money this is a like a money grab, and it does, yeah. it, it's the way it seems. I, I I hope it's not. I like I said, I I've known Fred a little bit. I don't know him very well, but he I've always liked him. He's always been nice to me. He's been nice to me. I mean, the brief moments I've met him. Yeah, yeah he was good on the show when he came on to talk about the injury. Yeah. And like, I don't want to think that that's what's happening here. But even if it's not, it it's certainly what the perception is. And. He had to have known that going in. If if not, he should have had a better attorney who laid I out mean, all, you know, all the responses. And also knowing that going in, you think you maybe should have got ahead of this on social media as well? Like, just been like, you know. In hindsight, sure. It seems well, like that would have been a wise move. I mean, yeah. just I mean, And I don't know if it's too late to do it now. I mean, maybe now it would come off as somewhat, you know, apologetic. Like, you, you, your usual social media apology for something you, you have to put out there, even though whether you believe it or not. Um, but, I mean, maybe. Maybe even now, just like, listen. Or, I mean, you know, maybe I don't want to do it because of it can affect the court case. I mean, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, I, just, I, I find it just weird that he would do this. I do too. I, I, it really I, surprised I, me when it came out to that. I hate to, I, I mean, I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing to be like, like, I feel like there, like I want there to be like some kind of underlying story to it because, you know, I don't know if that's, but I mean, I don't, I, I do, but I don't. 
because I don't want to. I know date, what you're saying. Yeah, because I don't want it to be like he's just doing this for because that just seems bad. And like I said, you said it. You know a little better than I do, but we don't don't know him that you know personally well. But I just don't see like yeah. I, I just can't imagine like that. Seems, he never seemed like the type of person that would do it just to be greedy. Text says, be wrong, uh, any update on the Fabio Basili front? Fall classes are going to start in a few weeks, so it feels like a slim chance will happen for this year's roster. It. I mean, we've the last to... update I've heard is still my understanding of the situation, which is <laughs> like he's ready to come, he wants to come, his transcript's a mess, and like six, in, in the last four months, no one could figure it out. I mean, last I think it's been, it's been like a five week thing. It's been longer than that that we've been talking about him, has it not? We've been talking about, but since like I heard what the deal was, I think when U of L because they they thought it was the way it was laid out to them was he's going to, like he wants to play for U of L and getting him reclassified for 2022 should not be an issue. And then they looked at the transcripts and they're like, they're like getting him eligible for 2023 might be kind of an issue, let alone 2022. So I, I can't tell you the ins and the outs of what the holdup is. That's just the way it was described to me. But the fact that it has not been resolved in the five weeks since they thought it was possible that he would be joining the team certainly leads me to believe that it's like, I mean, we're on thin ice here as far as the likelihood of him joining the team and helping How us out in the guard position. transcripts be? I mean, seriously. They, there have been some bad ones coming through U of L recently. I mean, in the last 10 years, this, I, I guess, I, know the, the, I think it's the high school is usually to blame more than the kid. Well, I mean, I'd like to think probably, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, because you can organize things. It, it's the way. Now, he didn't go to one of those, correct me if I'm wrong, but he didn't, because he didn't go to one of the made up schools, right? He's at the same school that Mike James came out of where Kevin Knox's dad is the coach. Well, yeah, but it's not. It's, it's not, it's, but it's, it's kind of a basketball factory. Okay, it's not, I mean, where is it, like, between a, a real school and, okay, well, then, yeah. Can I get, yeah, never mind. That helps a little bit in my judgment of it. Yeah. But, yeah, the, I, I, I'm reading between the lines here, but when it was, when I was reached out to you five weeks ago with the Basili thing, they were hoping to have it done early the next week. And the fact that a month has passed and we have not gotten this done does not, like, I mean, you know, fall, spring semester or fall semester starting in a week. It does not portend good things, I think. But we'll see. I mean, this time he could have taken <laughs> probably like a class or two and made up for those transcripts. That might be what's happening. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me because he's been. I mean, it's Kim. Yeah, it shouldn't take more than a day looking over someone's high school transcripts of whether either they're acceptable or not, what, what is or isn't acceptable, and whether it makes them eligible or not. Yeah, I can't imagine this being. There has to be something else. There were. I, I, I'd like to have a confident feeling that they're. The reason we haven't heard anything is because they're in the process of still working, getting him ready to be available for this. I year. hope so. We, I mean, look, we, we could use another guard. There's no yeah. question about it. I don't know if you've heard that. I don't know if you've, people have been talking about that. But I saw the shirts. It's got guards. We could use another guard. Texas News Story says Fred is suing the groundskeeper's kid for not keeping the turf pristine enough for his feet to move <laughs> adequately enough to get out of the way. What groundskeeper, Willie? <laughs> Texas says if the bleachers collapse or something... Um, I would understand, but it's the sideline. If I stood in the middle of I-65, I wouldn't sue the state if I got hurt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> it, it, it seems like a frivolous law. I mean, it, it's... But uh, now, I tell you right now, if you are standing on the uh, side, line, side of I-65 and you get hit by a car, you wouldn't sue that person to hit you, probably. No, you wouldn't. Yeah, no, possibly. No, you wouldn't. That, you'd have... You could, if you're, if you're you car... could sue if you want to. You're not going to win. Mm-hmm. No, I mean... No, I mean you're taking that's an unnecessary undertaking of risk. If you're is that difference on the in like, for example, like I have a cousin whose construction worker was hit by a pedestrian driver and was pedestrian reward, driver. Well, just somebody driving through the the little construction area and, and hit him. 
and he was paid very handsomely. Well, that, then the person must not have been adhering to the laws. Like he must Probably have been going not. high. Well, yeah, that's different. Then if, if you're like swerving around and you hit somebody on the side of the road, then yeah, like the that's. But who's the you can't when you, I mean if someone hit I know we're just a hypothetical law argument here with five minutes left of the show. Like if someone's like you can't prove that someone's is or is or not at least speeding. I mean that would be a, a factor. Well, you can. Yeah. I mean the. the the impact thing like that you'd have to prove that they were doing they were doing something outside of the realm that a reasonable person would be doing if you're just driving along at the speed limit and a person standing in the middle of i-65 and you hit them then no but if you were going to sue somebody you'd hit the person that hit you you wouldn't sue the state though well you you can sue anybody you want you're not gonna win regardless in that case but i mean yeah i know i I joked but is the kid that actually ran over fred is he mentioned in this lawsuit no (laughs) i can't imagine he is unless his dad's like some like wealthy lawyer or something and maybe fred will go after him texas says if this was a transcript issue with sandy bell at uk fabio would have been playing and practicing three months ago yeah i don't know what sandy bell does but she works her magic or his magic or whatever um is sandy bell a girl i've always assumed it was a woman (laughs) i just now thought about it i was like is sandy bell a woman Wow, never in my life have I ever been like, I think it's cool to go with the they or them, the them or the they pronouns. I've always <laughs> I've always assumed Sandy Bell was a woman. Then I was like, I've never seen this person. You said that I've never, it is a woman, right? I always, I mean, it's got to be, I right? thought it was a woman, but Sandy can go both ways. Yes, it's a woman. Okay, nice. I, I just said that out loud. I just said it out loud. I was like, I've never always heard. And then I, I said, I was like, am I sure? Like, it was the first time in my life I've ever doubted. I was like, I've never actually seen this person. Is it, did you look it's her a woman. Up? It's, yeah, a woman. it's okay. a woman. I assumed it was a woman, too. I just a moment of I've always heard, I've always heard her referenced as Sandy Bell and okay. never as the her or him. Okay, so. I just for a second there I was like, well, I, I, <laughs> I was right there with I you. I should though. not assume. <laughs> uh, but Sandy Bell, she does definitely does seem to do. She's the best. I, she, she does better at her job than anybody at University of Kentucky Athletics ever, and they've had some great employees, some great <laughs> players. She's she's like undefeated. <laughs> she is finds faxes. She's. I mean, know. she got blood so eligible. Who took Algebra 2 before he took Algebra 1. Yeah, doesn't and never went to either class, probably. It was impressive. All right. We're, mean, uh, some of the things she's done, yeah, she's, she can work her magic. We got Jody Demley and the Cardinal Insider coming up next. Then we have Louisville Bats kicking off their series at the Iowa Cubs. Oh, your old, your old stomping ground. Love the Iowa Cubs. I think, what, 838 first pitch? Uh, what, yes. <laughs> why Why they have to be on the eights, I don't know. Like, Is it an Iowa thing? Classic Iowa. They just love the eights. And it's the yeah, pregame is at 7.08. Pregame at 7.08. First pitch at 7.38. You'll hear all the action right here on 1450 The Big X. So keep it locked right here. Oh, what was the day's theme? Um, I think you forget. It's all from a state. Yeah. Were they all from Michigan because the Lions playing? You're very close. They're Ohio? all from uh, the same state our, our guest Al Snow was born in. Brady. Okay. He's there from, you go. He's from Lima, Ohio. So, all right. Yeah, I went for Ohio. All songs from people from Ohio. Well done. Uh, everybody have a fantastic Tuesday night. We'll see you guys tomorrow out at Jim Patterson Stadium, sharp at 3 o'clock. Head out there and see us. Go Cards.